What's going on, Tricky Buddies? Brand new episode coming right at you. But real quick, you know what time it is. Time for a word from our sponsors, the people that bring in the monies and whose products we love. Speaking of products I love, hopefully you'll love, the video versions of A Now We Drink are available now on Vimeo. Go to anwd.net slash videos to check out all the madness, facial expressions, and occasional nudity that happens on the video versions of the show. It is fucking magical. We are also brought to you this week by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. Each record is pressed exclusively for Vinyl Me Please as features you can't get anywhere else. Things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and comes packaged with a 12 by 12 album-inspired art print and custom cocktail pairing recipe. You can't beat it. Rad art, custom vinyl, rad cocktail recipes. And Vinyl Me Please isn't like Record of the Month clubs of old. It's month to month, no strings attached, cancel anytime. So if you want to check out Vinyl Me Please, go to www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com slash ANWD. We are also brought to you this week by our friends at Gamefly. Gamefly.com has over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for Xbox One, Xbox 360, PS4, PS3, PS Vita, Wii U, Wii, and 3DS, as well as older systems. As a Gamefly member, you can rent as many console and handheld games as you want and get them delivered right to your mailbox for one low monthly fee. If you like a game so much that you don't want to send it back, you can keep it for a low-used price. There are never any due dates or late fees, Gamefly also offers the ability to rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as part of the regular service at no extra charge. Drinking buddies, games are expensive. Before you drop your hard-earned coin on a new game, get it from Gamefly. Make sure you love it. Make sure you're not going to breeze through that motherfucker. So go to www.gameflyoffer.com slash ANWD. Once again, that's www.gameflyoffer.com slash ANWD. For your one-month free trial, one game out with a self-addressed envelope for easy returns. And Gamefly is also month-to-month. If you don't like it, cancel any time. Last but not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Laughable. Laughable is the number one comedy podcast app on iOS and possibly the world. Not only can you subscribe to your favorite podcast, you can subscribe to your favorite podcasters, comedians, and other personalities. Whenever they appear on a podcast, boom, right there in your subscription feed. Laughable is how I listen to podcasts, and for whatever crazy reason, if a podcast you listen to isn't in Laughable, email them and they'll add it to the app. Go to the App Store today, go to the Google Play Store, download Laughable for free, and find funny. Our guest this week is comedian Matt McManus. You may know Matt from WWE Network Swerved or RuPaul's Drag Race, in addition to his amazing one-man show that just wrapped up at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Matt and I, this is the first time we hung out. That was a good fucking time. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy, drinking buddies.
Maddie, what's going on? Yo, bro, what's up? <laughs> Cheers, pal. Cheers. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Happy to have you. I'm glad this came together. Me too. And it's really nice here. Like it's way nicer than my apartment. Uh, talking to you has been much cooler than just talking to myself. Uh, give it a couple hours. You may change your mind. I'm only going to be here for another hour. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets lame, I'm out. Uh, but it's probably not going to get that lame because he has all the cool booze. And we did do a shot of Malort. We did. Let's let's tell the audience uh, exactly what that is. For my non-Chicago audience, for you poor bastards who have never tasted the pure liquid agony that is Malort, <laughs> imagine walking up to your favorite gas station and just pouring gasoline right into your mouth. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, I went to Chicago, not this summer, but the summer prior, and someone that I'm really close with told me to go and have a shot of Malort at some point. I'd never heard of it before, and I've been standing behind a bar in some capacity for the past nearly 27 years. So, so I, uh, I did. I got a I got a Bloody Mary at a place called Miller's Pub or Miller's Tavern right by like wherever the theaters are in Chicago. And the Bloody Mary was fantastic. And I saw a bottle of Malort and I did a shot of it. And the bartender looked at me like I was a... This, that's like one of those things. It's just... It's like going to the Hollywood sign or like going to see the Walk of Fame. Like if, if someone's like, how do I get to the Walk of Fame? That's what Malort is probably to, to Chicago. Sort of. Because some people like to... Do shots of Malort to prove, yeah, I'm from Chicago. You're right. Yeah, I get it. It's like, yeah, it's like going to Cheers. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. My least favorite Malort story, I came back to Chicago in 2014 for my buddy's wedding. We went to some burlesque bar, like some burlesque show. Sure. And one of the groomsmen thought he'd be funny and order us a round of Malort. Hey, we're going to do a, shot of, a round of shots. I'm like, fine. This is bachelor party, whatever. I had plugged that we were there on social media. I'm not famous by any fucking stretch of the imagination, but for whatever reason, this bar staff acted like I was. And they're like, did you guys promote the night on social media? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, let me buy you shots. You guys are doing Malort, right? So oh. the house just kept buying us rounds of Malort I would to say not, thank you. I would not want to know what a Malort hangover is like. <sighs> Thankfully, a Malort hangover didn't happen, and the night actually took a... Really good turn for me shortly after we left the burlesque bar. I was told by the bride we were not allowed to get him strippers. But did you get him strippers? No. So he took the burlesque girls somewhere. I wish. I wish. I love burlesque girls. I love that whole aesthetic. So one of my local watering holes in Chicago that I love to death, a bar called Exit. It's Chicago's oldest punk bar. On Thursday nights has bondage night. Well, this just happened to be a Thursday night. So we took the groom to bondage night. Then I paid the doms very well to beat the fuck out of him. Man. He showed up You're on, a good friend. He showed up on his wedding night with marks on him. The bride was not so happy. Well, but she's going to be with that person for the rest of her life. So he needed to get his kicks in. Exactly. Exactly. Or they needed to get their kicks in. I, I wanted to be amused. I was willing to spend money to torture one of my oldest friends for... My own amusement for the most part. I think that's a testament to friendship. I think that you're only as close as, as much as you're willing to torture someone. Like I have a friend from my hometown that I drained his pool when we were kids. He signed me up for the military. Uh, he, uh, I, I, I kept the fact that I was going to be a father from him the whole like 
nine months that my ex was pregnant and like my whole hometown knew that I was going to be a dad. And then like I surprised him on Father's Day and he couldn't believe that I was an actual father. Like we've been pranking each other for years and trying to like hurt each other's feelings like in secret ways for many years. But the thing is, I love him more than anything. And that's kind of a testament to friendship. Yeah. The intent is love. Even if physical pain may be involved at times. You remember pain. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you also remember love. And sometimes those things are intrinsically connected. They are. I'm curious, though, when he signed you up for the military, how did that go? Well, the, the, the sergeant showed up to my house to have dinner with my mother and my family. My mom thought that, like, it was for real. Like, the sergeant had shown up prior to me even knowing about it because my friend gave them all the information that they needed to show up for, like, the dinner to discuss, like, my future with this sergeant. And so it was me, my mom, the sergeant, my little sister, my twin sister, and my little brother. And I was like, I didn't do this. I didn't sign up for the Marines. I can't go to the Marines. I'm 310 pounds. I don't want to even think about climbing a wall. I just want to finish this box of Pop-Tarts and leave. Can I go now? Um, and it was apparent that I didn't fill out the information. The, the gift horse, though, or at least the, the silver lining, is that my younger brother, Phil, ended up joining the military. Not because of that moment. Maybe it was the, the seed was planted in that moment. But he ended up joining the Marines like three years later, and he's a war hero. So I mean, uh, it it all it all happened for a reason. And like I said, I after that there was a sign that said, "Do you need your pool drained?" Like after the winter snow had melted and everyone's pools were filled with like muck, you could drain your pool. And so I uh, drained my friend's parents' pool uh, one afternoon, and they had to pay for it. He also then ordered a dumpster to my front yard. <laughs> So, I'm, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, there's a much longer story. I'll never really be able to top what he did to me. But I talked to him the other day, and he's like, just so you know, it's coming. Like, you know, he's planning something. And he lives all the way in New York. And I never know what's going to happen. Are the earthquakes his fault? Did he do that to you? It's funny you say that. He, yeah, he tricked me into believing another big one was coming when I was driving, and I didn't have cell phone service. Um, no, he did not, pl- he did not plan the earthquakes. I don't even know if God planned the earthquakes, May- but the earthquakes are scary. Where were you when they hit this time? Mm, I, the first time I was, uh, at my kid's grandma's house, which is in the middle of the city, not my mom, uh, his mom's mom. And it literally felt like a wave. Like I felt like I was on a lazy river raft. That was like on a wave for like 40 seconds. It didn't, not, like, nothing fell. It just felt wavy and it was still strange. And I yelled at my son. I said, get over here and sit on my lap. And it, 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 it lasted for a little bit. And then, you know, obviously there are aftershocks. So we were all planning on a, a secondary one. And the following day, I was at Gold's Gym in Hollywood. And all of a sudden, the walls start shaking, and all of the weights start shaking off of the bars. No one got hurt. Nothing really broke. But it was, it was drastic enough where I felt like I was in a movie for a second. I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. Because you've been watching earthquakes on television and in movies your whole life. I, I mean, they tell you to go sit under a table not really leave the house. A lot of people think you need to leave the house and find a field. And most of the people that do that are the ones that don't make it. Well, yeah, because as you get into the field, shit falls on you. Mm-hmm. Like you think a big open space, but no, a big open space isn't as open as you think that it is. 
and you still have to get to it. We're in the middle of Los Angeles. What, I'm going to make it to Griffith Park before right. shit hits me? Yeah. What, are you going to ride your bike to Griffith Park? How many, how many electrical towers, how many uh, electrical poles are in the street between here and there? How many cars are you going to pass? How many crazy people? Well, I can't count that high on the crazy people. Crazy people here. So what are the so the homeless people in Chicago, where you're from? What are they like? Uh, they're not like LA homeless at no, all. No, well, no, LA. They're aliens here. Let's be real for a second. I mean, in New York City, there are some crazies, but for the most part, I would say statistically that the homeless people are veterans. Down out of the, down down on their luck. Some of them have uh, some some serious PTSD, which turned into drug and alcohol use, which turned into, um, you know, a reckless abandon that never really stopped. But out here in L.A., I feel like it's all of the, like, the legit, they're also the smartest homeless people because they're probably in Minneapolis or in Chicago, and they're saying to them, you know, we're assholes, guys. Why are we sitting out here in February? Let's go to Venice Beach or let's go to Hollywood. You know, they have, you know, it does get cold here. It does get hot here, but you can live in the street, you know, and you can poop in the street. And I walk over human poop all the time. Yeah. Sadly, it's not quite as bad as the Bay, but it's pretty fucking bad at this point. The ba- the Bay's bad? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Like SF. Someone made an app to track the human feces. Get the fuck out. Dead serious. Wow. So we're not quite at that level yet. But then again, we're not quite as condensed as San Francisco, so. Well, it's weird. The way that L.A. is changing over the last three years. Like, I'm, I don't live that far from here. We're, in, we're like dead smack in the center of Hollywood right now, which is pretty fucking cool. Like, I can look at the, I can look at the Hollywood sign and the Griffith Observatory simultaneously. And if from, we went up to the roof, we could throw a stone at Netflix. Like, the Netflix. And I read an article, or like at least a headline, about the Netflix waiting area. That it's apparently the coolest waiting area in Hollywood, and people are dying to get in there. Well, of course, Netflix is just giving out money. We should go and walk over there. <laughs> just walk over there with a pitch. And a pitcher. A pitch and a pitcher. Sounds like a plan. We'll be half in the bag from the show already. Hell yeah. Netflix won't even be open. Like, hey, let us in. We have the best idea. And I'll, I wear a shirt that says Google on it, and you, say the, you wear a t-shirt that says me on it. Google me. And we, and, and we just hand out uh, rosé. I think that's a winner. I think we'll get a meeting. We'll get a seven-minute show, a seven-episode deal. That'll be released all at once, and I'll spend the money before it's even out. And I'll probably just hoard the money away and act like it's not there and not enjoy my life for a minute. Wait, but, which one of us is the Jew? <laughs> Four years ago, when me and my ex split up, my baby mama, I, uh, who's a wonderful human being, I didn't have a lot of money, and I didn't have uh, a, a working car. And so... Uh, I guess you could say that I've become a Jew. Like I, I've, I've, I, I became a very responsible adult. I started working more than I'd ever worked before, and twice as hard than I've ever worked before. And I've saved a substantial amount of money. And I act like it's just not there. And I, we were sitting on his balcony prior to turning the lights and, and microphones on, smoking cigars. Because he was like, "You want to smoke a cigar?" I was like, "Fuck yeah!" And I, he, it's great. We were introduced via my publicist, and. He came to my show that I just finished this one man show. Like uh, you know, I invited him the day before he came the next day, and uh, which you seemed honestly shocked about. No, I, I wasn't shocked about it at all. I just well, so he, that I actually showed. 
I, you seem a little shocked that I actually showed up. Well, I guess I am. I was because you, we we were not friends. We weren't friends yet. We, I didn't know you from anyone really. And you were kind enough to be excited to come to a show that I was doing about something you had no idea about, you know. And here we, and here we are doing the podcast. You know, uh, there's not a lot of follow through in this town. I know. I know. I I tell people all the time, like if you actually have follow through and keep to your word, you're leaps and bounds above other people already. Yeah, you're gonna have a career. Like it might not be the most successful career, but if you show up on time when you say you're going to show up and you deliver. Whatever package you said you were going to deliver, they're going to call you back to deliver more packages. And also, just don't be an asshole. I'm still working on that one. I think we all, I think we're, we're all born with a little bit of asshole in us. We just need to figure out when the right time to turn it on is. Yeah, maybe I'll figure that out one of these days. But you already mentioned that, like, you're in the streets driving a lot. So, like, how, you must have a substantial amount of road rage saved up. A little, a little, just a little. So that's why he has a drinking podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I just like drinking. <laughs> when did it all start for you? Drinking or the podcast? <laughs> drinking. Uh, I honestly, high school. Okay. Speaking of Chicago homeless, so I grew up on the north side of Chicago. Okay. Uh, bounced between my parents' place, my mom's place. Was in Uptown, and then my dad's place was in the first burb north of Chicago, which is Evanston. Okay. I hung out with a bunch of degenerate punk kids, because I was too. And we used to get homeless dudes to buy us alcohol. That's how we got booze. Like, you know, you just find a dude asking for change. Like, here's the deal, man. You go get us a sixer, go get us a 12-pack, you keep the change. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd sit in alleys and just drink with the homeless dudes. Oh, I've done I've done plenty of that too. Like I was a big a big part of the New York City punk rock scene. Uh, I was going to CBGBs every Sunday. I was going all the original Warp tours before Warp tour became like an emo fest, which also subsequently became like whatever the fuck it is now. Um, but I was a part of like all of that original West Coast slash East Coast punk rock. You know, I mean, we're talking No Effects, Pennywise, Face to Face. We're talking Civ. We're talking the Lower East Side, Stitches, Murphy's Law, Catch-22. You know, the list can go on and on. But, I mean, punk rock uh, is something that uh, I adhered to at a very young age, which was because of skateboarding and then subsequently graffiti. But at some point, you're in a bar and someone hands you a shot. And you, the rebellion becomes something you can taste. And that's, you know, and that's, that's where it all kind of started for me. For me... <laughs> It was, it, yeah, I get the rebellion you can taste. It, it's also a bonding experience to drink with people. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the most popular kid growing up. But all of a sudden in high school, I had a bunch of friends that, you know, I'd get fucked up with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we had similar tastes in music, and we're getting fucked up together. And some of those people are some of my best friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Alcohol brings people together. Mm-hmm. I, they call it a pub because it's short for public house. And that's a home away from home where you can feel like you're home with your buddies. That culture, that Chicago pub culture, that Long Island where I'm from pub culture is something that like, I grew up in a pub. My last name is McManus. You know, I would go to a bar every Saturday and Sunday with my dad. He would have two beers and I would have, uh, I would put, I, and he would, he would finish it off with um, amaretto on the rocks and I'd take a tiny sip of that. And I'd get buffalo wings because if you don't eat buffalo wings and you're American, you're not American. With blue cheese dressing because fuck ranch. I'm being honest. I don't do either one. 
<laughs> he goes straight wing. Straight wing. Yeah, fair enough, pal. Fair, you like you like him crispy? Ye rustic. Get him crispy. Yeah, bro, up top. All right, oh. after this, can you promise me we'll go there and get those are the best wings in town? No questions asked. I love that place, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, that's awesome. That is my wing spot. I love that. Well, that's my favorite wings in L.A. People the, try and rival them for me. They're like, go to Hot Wings, go to this place in the Valley. I'm like, no, man. That place makes great wings. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, amazing wings. And for a couple of years there, one of my old bartenders from Chicago was bartending at Oh, uh, you had it made, pal. Oh, yeah. Every Monday, either Monday or Friday, I'd be in there editing the show at the end of the bar. I'd just sit there. With this computer? Yep. Okay, that's a big-ass computer. i just bring the laptop, bring a pair of headphones. What are you drinking when you're editing? Buffalo Trace there. Ah, okay, great. Yeah. Buffalo Trace rocks. Order wings. If I was there long enough, probably a grilled cheese sandwich later on. How's the grilled cheese? It's pretty fucking rad. Oh, man. I love a good sandwich. I, 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 whenever I start dating a girl, or even when I'm meeting a new friend, for that matter, or even if I'm nervous at a party, the best icebreaker at a party, if you don't know anybody, which happens in LA, sometimes you're somewhere you don't know anybody. I, I break into a circle of people talking. I wait for my moment to shine, and I say, What's your favorite sandwich? And they look at me first like, did you really just ask me that? I say, yes. And then they tell me their answer. And then obviously the person to the right and also left of them is being like, I got a favorite sandwich too. And before you know it, everyone's talk- debating slash contrasting, comparing their own favorite sandwiches. Well, I guess I have to ask, what is your favorite sandwich? It depends on the day. Thank you for asking. My, in high school, there was a deli not far from my house that made something called a chicken bacon bomber, which was a uh, chicken cutlet. Like, bre- like just brand new, out of out of the fryer, on a here a garlic bread hero topped with uh, sharp cheddar broiled on top and melted, Russian dressing and crispy crispy bacon, and that it, it's good. It's, it's so it's very good. It, 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 that's for nostalgia's purposes. That's the one that makes me feel like I'm sitting next to my buddies back home when I eat it. I I also like uh I I love a great tuna melt and this city's great at tuna melts uh it really is and there's a place in the valley called the Artist and Cheese Gallery that makes makes them I actually used to work there and I would eat it all the time um, Norms makes a great tuna melt and it's cheap like super cheap you can get a salad a tuna melt and a soup for like seven bucks at lunch at Norms and from Middle America. That is ridiculously cheap by LA prices. And yeah, you can do. You could go to a deli in Chicago or New York and get a sandwich, a bag of chips, and a Coca Cola for five bucks. You know, depending on like where it is in the city. But out here, a seven dollar combo meal like that is almost unheard of. A lot of times, seven dollars won't get you the chips and the drink. <laughs> oh God! I remember well, I used to smoke cigarettes. I remember uh, you. If someone, if you had. 10 bucks in your pocket in like 99. You could get a pack of smokes, fill up your gas tank or most of it, and a beer. Like that, that's, that's like, I just remember that, that money amounted to that possibility. Dude, when your buddies are like, I got $5 on the tank, that was like a serious contribution to your tank in those days. Holy, yeah, now uh, a gallon here in LA um, of unleaded is a. Four dollars, give or take. Yeah, depending on where you are in the city, that's that's one hundred percent accurate. And I went to Florida to visit my sister when she got married there a year ago, and it was like two fifty nine a gallon. I was like, "What's going on?" Yeah, but you have to live in Florida. Yeah, I tell people all the time, LA is worth the price of admission. 
You know, that's a great way of putting it. It's uh, it, well, it's not for everybody. Let's be honest. No, no, it's not. But it's, but it's worth the price of admission, and the park is fun enough. And par- I used to work at Disney World when I was a kid, twenty. Uh, the park, uh, an amusement park, isn't always fun. Let's be real. You know what I'm saying? You're gonna have to wait in line. The food's not always that healthy. Sometimes you can't even afford the food. You might not even be afford to get home at the end of the day. But if you stick around an amusement park long enough, at some point they're going to build a Disney World area, which is all a metaphor for, like, I guess what we're talking about here. The admission of living here, uh, the price of it is worth it, man. It is. I fucking. Uh, it's interesting that. Metaphorically, there's a valley, we'll call it the desert, that arrives at a hill, which is the Hollywood Hills, and that arrives basically on the other side in Hollywood where we are right now, and then it falls off into the ocean. And literally, like this city is designed in the way that it treats people. You go up and you go down and you go out. You know, and then you come back in or you don't. I've seen a lot of people come and go, but I'm addicted to this town. I've been here for almost five years now. I'm not going anywhere. Dude, you've been here five years. You live in a way nicer apartment than I do, and you've got a way better temperament than me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're doing all right. Yeah, I just drink a lot. That's how, I, that's how I cope. Well, you have a cool hat. I like your hat. You know where it's from, right? No, I don't. Nihilist Arby's. What is that? So you're a punk rock guy. You yeah, but I didn't know what the fuck that is. You know the Lawrence Arms, right? Yeah. I love that band. Brendan Kelly, the lieutenant of the Lawrence Arms, has a joke Twitter account called Nihilist Arby's. Oh, I didn't know that. And it is bleak humor. Um, I'm, my phone's charging in your office, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that afterwards. Um, what's another band that I got into recently uh, that's kind of like the Lawrence Arms? Um, it starts with an M. I'll find it when I get my phone back. It's crazy. There's a lot of good music out there, there if, if you look for it. When you, we mentioned Vegas. Uh, punk rock was given to me by a friend uh, by the name of Alan Katz, who was a, a big part of the Long Island ska scene back in the late 90s. Uh, he played saxophone, but more, moreover, he just was a figure worth watching in a, a movement that he was very well aware of, and he was kind of like a, uh, a piece of lightning that you just wanted to watch. He got into drinking with me when I was bartending. I got my first bar job when I was 14 years old. I was barbacking in a, my hometown. And I was standing behind the bar learning how to make drinks at 15 years old. And my friend who was a year younger than me, he must have been 14, Alan Katz, gets to the bar and he's like, what's your favorite drink to make? I'm like, I don't really have one yet. I'm just learning how to do this. And he's like, why don't you figure it out right now? I'm like, I'm not really allowed to, you know? He's like, just do it. So I took, this is when Grey Goose came on the scene. I took all of the Grey Goose flavors, and I, I, which was like orange, lemon, and cherry? Uh, no, it was, maybe it, it was just orange and lemon. Yeah, because at that point, uh, there was, um, what was that? There was a, another vodka brand that came out right around that time that had a black cherry flavor that came and went. Uh. Well, you know, Ciroc is actually is now popular, but it's been around for a while. Um, Effin. Effin, Effin, Effin Black Cherry. Yeah, Effin was big at the time when. Mm, yes, right. You're correct. You got a man. You got a, you got a good brain in your head. So anyway, I mixed all of the flavors together, and literally just with like a dash of all the juices. And I was I was a kid, 
And I shook it up and I poured it into a martini glass. And it was around this time of year. And he's like, what do you call this drink? And I was like, I think I'm going to call it the summer break. And he was like, that's pretty good. And I saw him standing across from me at this bar and he decided he was going to be a mixologist when he was 14 years old. He just opened up two years ago a cocktail lounge in Las Vegas called Jammy Land, which is a punk rock, ska, and reggae-themed cocktail lounge that got voted by Time Out Las Vegas as the number one cocktail lounge in Las Vegas. Nice. Where is it? Uh, it's in the Arts District. And this guy is, is my dearest one of my dearest friends, and he's a very talented mixologist. He taught me about all the booze. I mean, he took the ball and ran with it. I, I just watched the game. I like being behind a bar because I like the power. And I like the uh, ability to affect people's lives positively, not just by giving them alcohol, but by like, I know it sounds cliche, a man sat across from me on Sunday, I bartend uh, in West Hollywood now, and he told me about his, uh, his partner that he was with for 35 years, he was like in the 70s, that passed away two months ago, and he was like lost in the world. I was like, bro, you got a brand new chapter in front of you, you might be in your 70s, but I, I just gave him his life in a decent perspective. And I've been doing that for people for, you know, 25 plus years. And uh, my dad worked on Wall Street and he bartended until he was 50 on the side. I, th I think it's just something that's in my bones. My last name is McManus. I'm Irish from the waist up. And uh, I love alcohol. Yeah, it's funny when I hit you up to do the show, you're like, oh, we're drinking? All right. Didn't even have to give you any sort of pitch beyond that. You're like, oh, we're drinking? All right. <laughs> It was kind of like, oh, there's going to be microphones there? Okay, that's cool, too. That's <laughs> <laughs> really how it came across. I don't get too many free nights. So uh, this was exciting. Yeah. Oh, just to circle back on the list, Arby's, read their July 4th tweet for the audience if you'd be so kind. I love that this exists. FYI. To the microphone. Uh, here we go. Nihilist Arby's. I want a hat. Uh, also one of those sandwiches. Here at Arby's, we only take a need to do the following. One, eat a delicious Arby's sandwich off the bathroom floor. Two, suck Ricky off for a few bumps of speed. Who the fuck is Ricky? And three, three, mock the religious. Four, relentlessly disrespect America. Before you idiots blow off your fingers tonight. Please eat at Arby's. This is the best Twitter account of all time, ladies and gentlemen. And that was posted on July 4th. God damn it. And that's Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms doing this account. <sighs> I'm talking to a good guy right now. It's amazing. Uh, I talked about this on air not too long ago, but a couple years ago, Arby's found out who was actually doing this account. So I don't know if you're aware, Brendan Kelly is a copywriter by day. I didn't know that. They showed up at his office. With a bag of Arby's sandwiches and a puppy. They're like, everything's not so bad. Oh, my God. And the thing is, in, in the world of capitalism and uh, fast food, Arby's isn't the biggest culprit. So the fact that he's do using Arby's is, is funny in and of itself. Like, if he was doing it with McDonald's, it wouldn't be as funny. Like, it's, Arby's has kind of stood the test of time selling roast beef to America. And it doesn't exist everywhere. Like it, there's no more. There's no more Arby's like where I grew up. There's one up the block from here. Do you ever go there? All the time. Are you kidding me? I haven't been to Arby's in forever, man. They're I, they're open late. What do you get? Uh, a lot of times it they have 
three classics for eight ninety nine. Get the to show, fuck out of to me. show how fucking expensive Arby's is these days. You remember it used to be five for five. Oh man, oh, how are the fries there? I forget. The curly fries are rad as hell. They have dips. Yep. I like you. Yeah. Now it's like, oh, hey, it's two a.m. I can get Thai food or Arby's. You know what? I've never been properly sold on Thai food. No one's ever been like, Matt, come get Thai food with me. You live in this neighborhood and you haven't found a good Thai spot? How is mm, that possible? I live, sa- I live close to here, but I don't live in this neighborhood. Um, good, fair point. Just tell me one place I have to go. So Palms Thai, very near to here, on Wednesday nights has a Thai Elvis. Oh, I mean. Just performing for the fucking audience, like. While you get your Thai food. How can you not enjoy that? What's your dish? Uh, I'm a Pad Thai guy. Got to get some chicken satay. I love that peanut butter sauce. Such an American order, though. I mean, that's just like what everyone else gets. I want to know, know the obscure shit. Um, a friend of mine just took me to a spot that's over on Sunset like in a strip mall. and It was amazing. I uh, got the Crying Tiger Beef. Oh, okay. That sounds great. It was fucking rad as hell. You like spicy. I do. Yeah, we already talked about wings, but I don't know how spicy you like your wings. Uh, I usually, uh, average spicy. I mean, I usually get them spicy. I don't do suicide. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. Speaking of hot wings, do you watch hot ones? Yeah, I do. Like, it's one of my goals in life to somehow get on that show at some point. What a great idea. And it's so t- not pun intended slash slightly pun intended tastefully done. Well, I mean, they got rappers. They get comedians. They get political minds. I mean, who who from politics has been on that show? I think was Barack Obama. No, Barack Obama wasn't on that show. That would be amazing, though. It would be incredible. Um, there's a place. Uh, I'm sorry, we keep jumping around. I have ADD, but uh, oh, my audience knows the show segues like a motherfucker. So that's more than fine. Okay, Gus's hot fried chicken is over on Crenshaw. Never been, but I want. I'd like to go as well. It's pretty good. Okay, so I'm not. I mean, you didn't sell me, so I'm not going to go. <laughs> I mean, I go there occasionally, but it's not like, oh, my God, I got to go to Gus's. Okay. And there's also a place called Dave's Hot Chicken that's apparently new here in L.A. that's, like, doing a weird promotion. Well, and then there's Holland Ray's, which is supposed to be, like, the mecca of Nashville hot chicken in L.A. Oh, where is that? Chinatown. Downtown. Okay. I, know, I don't spend too much time there. Uh, I went to a couple concerts in the, um, like, field adjacent to Chinatown. Uh which, if you've never, like, even if you don't like dance music, you should experience, like, a Los Angeles field dance party for just, A, the people watching alone. The butt cheeks that walk around those festivals are incredible. I can only imagine. You see a fair amount of butt cheeks. I've seen a couple in my day. One or two. The problem is I'm at a point in my life where if I'm not going to be able to actively play with it, I really don't care. Which is why I don't like strip clubs. Well, I don't need... Oh, that's a caveat. I like strip clubs when they're paying me to be there. Ah, uh, I don't know how that happens. Uh, occasionally, I get booked to do this show from Spearmint Rhinos, Dames and Games, Topless Sports Bar and Grill. Can I come with you? Certainly. Because I, I know a girl that works there, and I'm too, I'm too much of a pussy to go. Oh, yeah, definitely. I need a friend to go with me. For sure. All right, cool. I'll, I, I'll bring you whatever you want to drink. Like, I'll be, oh, no, they give me bottle service. This is the place where the waitresses wear like a referee shirt with yeah. like the boobs hanging out. Yeah. Oh my god, this girl that I know works there, and I've been dying to go. Yeah, uh, they should hopefully be booking me for Caliente Cage Rage later in the month. I'm coming. That's good. I need a co-host for it. So. All right. So basically, what Caliente Cage Rage is 
is sitting cage side while two dancers or porn stars cage fight. I'm going. I, oh, man. We're going to have so much fun. Where is it? Downtown? Uh, there's a Van Nuys location and a downtown location. Okay. I think the one I'm talking about is, is the downtown one. Over on Washington? Yeah. I don't know. End of the month, I don't know where I'm going to be booked. I don't care. Regardless, I want to go. It's a good time. Yeah. Do you Uber there? I do. Okay, great. I'm getting bottle service and... Yeah, I'm going to get fucked up. So, yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> like, the sip, we, uh, I think before we turn, no, yeah, we were doing still shots with uh, the camera over here for the sh- via his phone. And then he changed the lighting and then he turned the AC off with his phone. I, I wrote a joke a uh, couple months ago that went like this I can sit and swipe on my phone and I can meet someone or not meet them. And it could change the rest of my life just by looking at their picture and deciding if I'm going to swipe my finger left or right. Or it could change the rest of my life or it could not change the rest of my life. I could hit a button on my phone and a stranger picks me or you up and brings us wherever we want to go. We may or may not see that person for the rest of our life or they could affect our life for the rest of our life, either positively or negatively. (laughs) I could hit a button on my phone and a stranger brings me my favorite dish at three o'clock in the morning when I really need it. In a town where before that, Nothing was like that. Like the late, the concept of late night food didn't exist this ten years ago when I moved here. We can do all these things, all of them, right? We can put a man on the moon, many of them, but we can't make condoms feel better. What's a condom? <laughs> I'm a dad, so my 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 guys swim. You know, that's what a condom is. Not if you do anal. Yeah, but not everyone is as evolved as the, the circles you run in. That sounds like their problem. So I guess basically what, what, what I'm saying is, can I be your friend? Obviously, we're drinking. <laughs> this is my new buddy, guys. Cheers. We're, we're both empty. We can't cheers on an empty glass. All right, so I'm going to switch from this. I was drinking, uh, just so you guys know, because you probably want to know. Uh, I mixed rosé with uh, bubbling rosé with vodka to make something called a frosé, which is something they serve at my job. That I only like because it's strong and tasty and it's summer. I'm not trying to make excuses for myself. I'm just saying that's what I've been drinking. Hey, but, alcohol, as long as it gets you to the place, it doesn't matter how, what you take to get there. Well, it does. You can't drive yourself there. Someone else has to drive you. But I get the metaphor. Um, what's, um, but I'm going to switch to whiskey, I think. You're more than welcome to. You can switch to Malort. You can switch to whiskey. You can switch to tequila, vodka. You don't have uh, mezcal, do you? No. I think I just have uh, Casadores at the moment and Patron. I'm going to do Casadores on the rocks. I'm going to get myself a... a, a can I uh, excuse myself for of a course. second? Okay. We allow bathroom breaks and refills for sure. And we're back in. And we're back in with refills and urination or just refills. I don't have to pee just yet. I can hold my pee for a long time. Oh, that's helpful as a bartender. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Yeah, so I got behind a bar when I was very young. And I've been doing it in some capacity all these years for a bunch of reasons. One, if you're good at, if you're good at something and you enjoy doing it and you enjoy people, go ahead and do it. I like the divide between the, the public and myself because it's weird for me to sometimes be on the other side of the bar. I've been standing behind one for so many years that I don't think... It feels normal for me to 
to revel sometimes. And and I've been very busy in the, in the last three years of my life. And it's all kind of culminated at, in the last couple of weeks. And I was saying to you earlier that I'm going to take the next couple of weeks, maybe even month, and just relax. Smoke a cigar on a balcony with a new buddy. Do a podcast where I'm drinking and talking about my life. Go to the Four Seasons today with my five-year-old son. Drink a Corona. Sit in a hot tub and have them bring me some pizza and some french fries. I'm just going to fly around like a beautiful feather and land in different places and hope it doesn't rain long enough to keep me on the concrete. So I got to know. What'd your son drink? You had a Corona. Did you get him a Corona later? Lemonade. But the thing about lemonade, these motherfucking idiots, they put too much sugar in lemonade, which basically is giving your kid nitro. And so you have to dilute it with water. So I have to, you have to pour half the lemonade out and fill the rest up with either water or club soda. But he was having lemonade. And I'm not going to lie. I drink IPAs from, uh, on the weekends because I can't drink them every day because... Um, uh, they make me feel like garbage if I drink them every day. But I have an IPA, like a strong one, every Sunday when I get home from work. And my son, um, he usually drinks the suds at the end, and he likes he likes IPAs. Come and arrest me, idiots. I mean, if they're listening to the show, they're probably going to come for me before you, so uh, I think you're okay. I think so. Well, if they're coming, then we got we to gotta hightail it to uh, the strip club right now. I thought we were hightailing it for wings. That's the bigger priority. Can we stop there, eat half an order of wings, do a shot, and then go head to the... Half an room? order? What kind of blasphemy is that? <laughs> this guy spews t-shirt ideas. Half an order on the front of the shirt. What kind of blasphemy is that on the back? Half a fucking order. Do you like fried calamari? I do. Yeah, me too. Me too. But uh, what other deep fried foods are you into? A good mozzarella stick. Ah, I'm into that. Don't do it a lot anymore. Yeah. Where do you get mozzarella sticks from? Elbow room over on Coanga. He's got answers, guys. This guy's got fucking answers. Coanga like, and what? Where's the elbow room? Uh, just north of Selma. How have I never been there? It's only been there for a couple of years. Okay. Monday nights, actually tonight, they do a 20-inch pie for $10. The elbow room, Coanga. I, I live close to Coanga. It's across the street from the Burgundy room. What's the Burgundy Room? You've never been to the Burg? I've never. You're a punk rock guy and you've never been to the Burgundy Room? I don't know room? about Are we talking about black? No. Burgundy Room is one of Hollywood's oldest bars and they play punk and metal all the fucking time. Oh my gosh. Nope, never been. That is a fucking shame. You're a Hollywood guy. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Yeah, he lives in Hollywood. He's a Hollywood guy. He works in Hollywood. He's a man about town, and he's a man drinking and talking. I'm a man about town as long as you don't expect me to go like west of La Cienega. Another t-shirt idea. Uh, I had this joke. There's a joke from uh, the television show Entourage. Hater loved the show. I actually loved it because I was young enough to, to, to love it. I, lo- I actually have a lot of... I have the entire run of Entourage on the, sh- on the shelf. So do I. And I've been re-watching it lately. lately. And... um. What was the eccentric director's name that directed uh, Queens Boulevard? Uh, Billy Billy, uh, Billy Walsh. Billy Walsh. I remember stuff. Yay! Billy Walsh. There was a line of Billy Walsh where he said, uh, "I don't, I don't go west of Gower." And that's <laughs> I don't go west of Gower. And my best female friend lives just 
east of Gower and I live on the other side. And I'm like, I, when we first started becoming friends, she's like, why don't you just come over to my house? And I'm like, eh, I, I, I don't go east of Gower. Just to quote Billy Walsh. And I ran into Billy Walsh years ago uh, out here, whatever his name is. And uh, I thought he was going to be like the next big thing. You know, I thought he was going to be Adam Driver, to be honest with you. But he, I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, we could look at his IMDb and find out. We can find out because he was good. Unless I was just entranced by the power of that show. Which, <sighs> that show had some fucking moments, man. I mean, it's all about friendship. Ultimately, it's about family. It's about Hollywood. Uh, and it's not that far from reality. Like, the two biggest accomplishments that I've gotten in my life professionally on television came via a Facebook message. I think that's the one breakaway from that. that sometimes you get offered something over a bar that turns into something real. And people think you got to put a suit on and walk into a room and, and do a song and dance to get a job, which does happen, right? I got to do it three times tomorrow. But the biggest opportunities have come to me over gas station conversations or Facebook messages. You got to be open to opportunities in this town. 100%. You never know. You just got to take chances on something. I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, and it, it's a little odd. I honestly didn't think your publicist was a real person at first. Oh, yes. Yeah. So how did she uh, approach you at first then? She emailed me out of the blue. Oh, okay. And what did she say? Well, she had previously emailed me about a rap act that she works with. Yep. And I didn't think she was a real person. I thought it was the rapper faking it until he made it. Oh, yeah. Because she doesn't have a website. Right. So I'm just like... Yeah. Uh, she's kind of... In a, she's kind of... A, what's the word I'm looking for? Elusive. Like, I, 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 I've, I found her the way that she found you, which, which, is, which is oddly enough, which is on Instagram. And she's wonderful. We hung out this past Saturday. She's like the shit. But... I get that. In this town, you don't know what's going to come through your DMs on Facebook or Instagram. Well, and just, to, you know, I was like, I, I get a lot of those kind of emails where it is dudes faking until they make it because I'll ask people questions. And what are your litmus questions? Like, let me, let me see if you're real. Like, well, or, or if you mean what you say, or you say what you mean. Well, we'll go a little deeper than that. So, she first reached out to me about the rap act, and I just kind of was like, this isn't real. Like, I've never heard of this guy. There's no website attached. The lack of the website and the lack of her having a name of her pub, you know, publicist company on the email was kind of a red flag in my mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I did ignore the, the email about the rapper. I just like, nah, I don't think this is legit. Mm-hmm. I think there's some, I get a lot of SoundCloud rappers who hit me up, and I've had a bunch of them with you know, publicists. Mm-hmm. And then she hit me up about you, and I'm like, Okay, this is probably a real person. <laughs> you know, it's very unlikely that some the same person's faking it till they make it with people that are in completely different genres. Mm-hmm. But I did slide into your DMs to make sure she was a real person. Yeah, which was funny because she hit me up on Saturday or Friday. She's like, "You're going to do the podcast on Monday," and I was like, "Yeah, I am," and. I thought she set the whole thing up, but you and I, and you contacted me independently. So I thought like you guys were in, you guys just knew we were in cahoots with each other to like contact me or whatever, but it all kind of happened separately. Um, point being, here we are, and you don't know what's real or what isn't in this town. And I get those kind of messages too. And my friend, 
my neighbor is a talent manager, fuck, man. If you ever want to see weird emails, be a talent manager. I mean, people from all over the world like, are trying to decide if they have to move to Los Angeles or not. They go on IMDb and they type in manager and they send this obscure email with like scantily clad pictures and like acting demos they made in their backyard with their Uncle George. It's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. But the thing is, hmm, none of that is unvalid. Uh, it, it's only unvalid if you treat it as such. Dreams are potent things. You know, we live in a, a town where, like, I could wake up tomorrow and everything can change. Dreams are potent, but having some level of self-awareness is important. Oh, yeah, man. You got to realize if you got... Listen, if either you have the goods or you don't, or even if you don't have the goods, if you know how to talk to people and make friends. Like, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. Connections in this town, like, interpersonal relationships will get you further than talent in a lot of cases. I feel more at... I like the people back in my hometown don't know all the people that I know, like that are my friends and my my co-collaborators in this town and whatnot. And just the simple fact that I have those people in my life make me feel safe and secure enough to stay here. And that's that's the that's the real success of this town because we all move here blind with a bunch of question marks in our pockets, looking to turn them into exclamation points, periods, or ellipses. You know, and a lot of people get lost in the shuffle. You know, a lot of people move here young, good-looking, talented. They've heard the word yes their whole life. Yes, you could be a cheerleader. Yes, you could be the lead in the play. Yes, you could date the head football coach. Yes, you could have, you know, dad's Corvette. Yeah, whoa, whoa. You know, the football coach? <laughs> you know? Ooh, that's dark. And then they move here and they hear a word they never heard before, which is no. Well, they enter a waiting room with 20 other people that look exactly like them. Mm-hmm. And go, oh shit! Being pretty is not the most special thing in the world. No, man. And I, I had to learn those lessons too. I did it in New York, and I did it here. And once you get past the ego-driven feelings that revolve around those moments, and you realize that whatever it is that your purpose is attached to has like its roots based in some kind of good. The only way that's ever gonna feel worthy is if you have people that love or love you around you, you know. And those and that's in L.A. Like there's a movie by um, Apatow called Funny People, and Adam Sandler's in it, Jonah Hill's in it, and it's about young funny people in L.A. and how they make it and 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 how they live their lives here to an extent. And that apartment building's actually not far from here where they all live. Jason Schwartzman and Jonah Hill live together. And the, the one takeaway from that is. You can remain being funny. You can remain being creative if you have trusted confidence around you. Because it's a war and people are taking shots. They're just called headshots. And you got to wait around, you know, for the headshot to be perfect enough for you to get called into a room so you feel safe for a little bit. A lot of this is actually kind of new for me because I spent most of my entertainment career as a behind the scenes guy. Mm, and now you're in front of the camera. Yeah, like I'm. Yeah, you're, and you're and you're good. Like, and you're a genuine dude. That's the key. Like, I'm not looking for good actors. I'm not looking for the funniest people in the room. I'm not looking for all that shit. I'm looking for people that got a heart in their chest and they know how to talk about it. Hey, I got nothing to hide. I I know you've never actually listened to the show, but I've talked about getting chlamydia on there before. Yeah, man. Because it fucking happens. It does, man. No big fucking deal. Hey, you live in you live in a major metropolitan city. I do. 
You know, and I like loose women. And you got a, a big Jewish dick. <sighs> You're not supposed to talk about that. I showed you off camera. <laughs> Well, but to be told to, be, and it wasn't even fully hard. To be to be fair, when you sign the NDA, the um, you sign the signature on an imprint of his dick on the on the uh, on the uh, paper. It's just a special touch. It, it makes you really remember your time here, and now we drink because <laughs> people have been known to black out. So, has least, anyone blacked out uh, being here at this show? Oh yeah. Oh wow. I've had people sleep it off on my couch. I'm a professional. I've had some professionals. Sleep it off on the couch. Okay, now let me ask you this. Speaking of professionals, who is deceased that you wished you could have had on this show? And what would you have asked them? I mean, I'd loved, I would have loved to sit down with Bukowski. Uh, I, mean, you can, I have a show about drinking. But, you know, bar culture is a big, integral part of this show. Mm. You know, my goal for every episode is I want the audience to feel like they're sitting at a bar with us. Mm. Bukowski is the guy that you'd have to talk to. Give me some of his quote. I, I, I've, I've read a, a bunch of his shit, but my friends are more fans of his than I am. Give me some of his like quotes that you love, if you can remember any of them. I need to pull it up to do it actual justice. Sure, yeah, yeah. Ah, there we go. Come on, internet. Any asshole can chase a skirt. Art takes discipline. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh man, and he—he's from out here, or yeah, he's from LA. Yeah, because I think I remember driving um, towards Glendale <coughs> on Alameda, and there's a mural of him and a quote of his, and it, it, I think I remember reading something like he stood here or he hung out here for quite. He was time. an East Hollywood guy. His apartment was on DeLongpre. Fuck, really? Yeah. Fuck, that's where we all lived, sort of ish. When I first moved to town. My first apartment was... Where did he hang out? A bunch of spots on Vermont. Um, I mean, Coles famously has a plaque that Bukowski pissed here. He hung out at a bunch of dive bars when downtown was a war zone. What, are any of those places still in existence? I'm pretty sure he drank at the King Eddie. Yo, man, I didn't know any of this. Yeah. So, like, my first spot was less than a mile from Bukowski's place. Oh man, I'm the same way with Kerouac. I'm from Long Island, and that's where Kerouac's from. That's my favorite writer. Um, one of the reasons I moved to Los Angeles was because there's um, a phrase from On the Road with Jack Kerouac where he's like, New York is New York. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. The rest of the country is as such. But LA, comma, LA is a jungle. You know what I mean? Like that's not verbatim. I'm paraphrasing, but it's it's a it's a wonderful quote. Like you know, because it was scary to read it, and I'd never been here before. I must have been 16, and the way that it was worded, jungle, the word jungle, the way he described it in that short four five set five word sentence, made me want to move here. You know, and how old are you? Let me ask. I'm 38. We're the same age. Yeah. So. If you remember HBO, right? So back when we were children, HBO had um, like a before movie preview type thing where like there was a song that was pretty cool, dun, 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 and it would it would go through the grid of Hollywood 
up to the Hollywood sign, and then you would see the expanse of Los Angeles at night via the Hollywood sign. It was kind of like animatronic or animation. And I remember looking around and seeing and, 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 and having dreams about that. And then one day when I moved here and I stood up at Runyon Canyon, I realized that this, that video that I watched when I was a kid of HBO led me here. It's like I knew that I was going to arrive here. I just didn't know how, when, what. You know, I didn't know the nouns. I had a very different experience. I actually hated L.A. when the first couple times I came out here. Mm. And what? Why? What? You just came out here to visit friends. You wanted to. Uh, that kid. actually, the same buddy who I got beat on the night before his wedding. The same buddy I beat off. I am that kind of friend. I mean, I'll take care of a motherfucker if he really needs. Listen, if you wear a blindfold and give your friend a reach around, does it really happen? <laughs> who can afford a blindfold? <laughs> You got blindfold money? You must be doing really fucking well. I'm not doing that great. I'm doing well. I'm doing enough. Now, my buddy who I got beat on his wedding night by the dominatrix, right after high school, moved out to Venice. Uh-huh. So years went by, uh-huh. and I actually came out and fucking finally visited him. Him uh-huh. and his brother were sharing a converted two-car garage in Venice. That's where they were living? Yeah. What did it look like? A two-car garage with beds in it. And no, a no, ca- no cars in it? No. It was a... The back of someone else's property, like a two-car garage that had been converted into an apartment. Were there bugs? No bugs, but they didn't actually have a door. They had a chain-link fence with the privacy like slats as a door. All right. They're like three blocks off Windward. Uh-huh. So you, you know where that's at, right? Uh, right, by the, right by the Venice sign. Like. Oh, right there. Like in, uh, yeah, right there by, you know, by all the stores. The coffee shop, the bar. Yeah, back when, well, this is... I visited him for the first time in 08, so it was back when Venice was like, no corporations, no. Yeah, now it was, yeah, it's now it's like Times Square. All I saw of LA was LAX, the in and out by LAX, and Venice, and I hated it. Yeah, well, Venice is fucking grimy, man, uh, with the ex- which is fine. I'm, a, I'm fine with grime, but that kind of grime just smells like grundle. I have zero beef with the grime part of it. What I had beef with was you guys are living in a converted two-car garage and paying $1,500 a month for it in 2008. Drink prices compared to Chicago were astronomical. Oh, well, Venice, yes, absolutely. And then you add in, okay, it's last call. Let's go get some chow. Denny's is our only fucking choice. Oh, my God, that destroyed me. Having yeah, that destroyed me when I was like, you, I can't get a breakfast sandwich late night. I can't get a slice of pizza late night. I have to order Domino's. What is this hell? What I one of the traditions I used to do in Chicago is there was a place post bar called Baghdad Kebab. I'd go get shawarma at fucking five a. I fucking love shawarma. Twenty four hour Middle Eastern, fucking get for nine bucks get a shawarma plate and a soup. What kind of soup? That's weird. Like a split pea soup. Okay. I was drunk. I didn't care. So let me ask you this about your shawarma. Do you put the white sauce and the spicy sauce on it? Just the spicy. Just the spicy. Okay. He's a brave man. I put both on. I I put both on. Late night ethnic food in LA, especially at that point, especially Mm -hmm. on the west side, there was nothing. Yeah. No, I I understand. Listen, I, I will be here 10 years in November, which is scary. And a lot has happened. I've seen a lot change. Like, I, you know, I moved out here because I got 65 million views on YouTube as this character that I created. And I walked into the biggest 
agency in the world and try to turn that into something. And the fact that I was a big name on YouTube meant nothing 10 years ago in this agency, period, meant nothing, point blank. These days they'd be begging you if you had that kind of views. Right. So 10 years later, if I walked, even retroactively, and I was like, I have this, I have all these views, I have all these views. They would not care, that they didn't care back then, they would care now. And I'm older now, I'm different. And, you know, it's, it's, things have shifted. The good news is you can try, like, you can try out anything. And, and that, the bad news is that means everyone is trying everything out. So I guess you just kind of have to sift through the garbage of yourself and the internet and try and figure out where the magic still lies. Hey, I am in the Wild West medium of that at the moment. Yeah, you were explaining that to me, which is intriguing, actually. Podcasting is 100% the Wild West saturated medium at the moment. It's, there is no barrier of entry to get into this. Mm-hmm. How many podcasts have you heard where it's like, some dude with his iPhone just recording his fucking show? Yeah, yeah. Every so, comedian's got their, their own podcast. Every last one. And this is a rough medium to make it in if you're not already famous from something else. Mm-hmm. My friend Rachel, my closest, my second closest female friend from college, uh, married, um, his name is Matt Robinson, who, was the, who started a podcast with his friend called Get Up On This, which was a big like pop culture, music culture, uh, comedy podcast and he started in like the infancy of earwolf they just quit because like didn't quit they they passed it off to two young ladies after many many years but these guys like were doing it from the ground floor up and i was so impressed all these years it's a lot of work i mean i show up here today just so you guys know he spent like a good 40 minutes like setting this place up to be as perfect as it needed to be there's a lot of thought that goes into it and he spent most of the day editing like seven different episodes that you'll you'll see on Vimeo moving forward. There's a lot of work that goes into this. Isn't just two dudes or two people talking to one another. There's a lot go, that goes into it. Plus, he's got like two other jobs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but this is a labor of love. No, he obviously loves it. I mean, he's doing two things that he loves. Three things: being himself, drinking, and talking to someone. Well, two out of three is about right. <laughs> <sighs> Being myself, that's overrated. I don't know. I think you need to own that more. I think you got you got that like you know that little Jewish self-loathing thing going for you that you, that they all have. I can say that because my son's Jewish, um, which actually isn't a good excuse, but I have to say it. Did you get him circumcised? I did not. He's never going to be able to prove it to anybody. That's okay. Well, if you here's the thing, because you, you know, in Hanukkah we whip it out, right? You tie it together and you watch porn. Well, we don't tie it together. We have no foreskin to tie it together with. That that's the that's the gay test, you know. By the way, you tie your dicks to it, you tie your dicks together, and you watch gay porn. And if you both get hard, then you're both gay. If one person gets hard, then that person's gay. Why do they even need a test? I, I, actually, that was a stupid joke that I just came up with. But uh, I mean, I, I was taking your word for it. You work at the Abbey. I was just wondering what happens in the men's room, like after my hours. Sc- I was telling you outside my high school. I work at the Abbey, which is the best place ever. My high school girlfriend saw a picture of me working there recently, and she was like. Are you gay? And I was like, no, but if I was, would it really matter? Well, she wants to know if she turned you out. Yeah. <laughs> this is 20 years ago. I mean, I don't know if she was turning me out or not. I mean, and, I, and I'd also would like to know if she could turn me out now, but that's not going to happen. She's got two kids and a husband and, you know, I'm, I'm me. Did you ask her if she's faithful, though? 
Well, that's the thing. She reached out to me after 20 years to see what the fuck was going on in my life. And in my brain, I'm like, what's going on? Is my hair too, is, is my, has my hair reached pinnacle perfectness on, on social media? We're like, I got to reach out to him. I got to see if his dick's still available. Hey, maybe she's having a slump with her marriage. Well, yeah, she's been married for like 10 plus years. Everyone has a slump. Well, maybe she's looking for a famous slump buster. And she had perfect boobs when we were kids. Perfect boobs. Well, Spo- I got spoiled. I left my hometown looking for a pair of boobs that rivaled hers. I hate to break it to you. If she's had two little monsters hanging off them, they're probably not perfect anymore. Yeah. But you know what? You can never go back. I hate you. See, but- I told you. We're about an hour in. You hate me. <laughs> This is my new buddy, by the way. Right at the hour mark. Boom. <laughs> Got it. That might be a great place to end it. But keep talking. That's good, because I wasn't going to let you leave. No, I'm not leaving, because someone just arrived in the apartment. Is there someone here right now? Yeah, my roommate just came in. What's his first name? Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey. What's up, brother? You can never go back. Believe me, I've, I've made the foolish mistake of... Yeah, you can't do that, man. I've gone back to Chicago, gotten a little drunk. Um... Uh, the last couple of times I went to Chicago have been for bad shit for the most part. Uh, like, my father got diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2017. Is he right now? Oh, well, he's dead now. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Eh, it happens. I mean, I know it doesn't go away. I'm just asking, I was asking how your dad was. Sorry. No, no worries. No worries. So I went back to Chicago to deal with his affairs. And then I came in when he died. Mm. And then the last time I came in was for my grandfather's death. Mm. So they've been negatively charged emotional you know, trips. Mm-hmm. I may have gotten a little lit and may have told you know, a couple women, like, I think you're the one who got away. You don't say those words, man. Oh, I was drunk. I was I drunk. Got, I got one of those, too. Yeah. Well, I don't say... I, I Actually, I only told one woman, I think, was like, I think you're the one who got away. Her and I were just a case of bad timing in the first place. Right before I moved west. Like, I had already sold my place. Like, I was going to be out in under 90 days. I go out to a diner. You at- sold it, so you owned a place. Yeah, I owned a place. Okay, good. I'm a good Jew. I had property. I'm at, I'm at a diner, 4 a.m. Me and uh, my bartender friend, Jen, end up at the diner. Her friend, who worked at a different bar that I would never step foot in, meets us out for breakfast. And over the course of breakfast, she's just like, I'm working two jobs. I just don't have time to actually be in a relationship. But fuck, I'd want to get laid. And I go, you know, I'm leaving in 90 days. I can help you with that. That's exactly how I said it. Uh I can help you with that. Fast forward a couple weeks. I go over to her place. She made me dinner. We watched Fraggle Rock. You're a genius. Go on. Uh, Ended up having period sex on the... Shortly after Fraggle Rock. You know, you know what you call that? Shark Week. As my audience knows, I like it when it looks like I've murdered someone with my penis. Come on, man. You Dead serious. I don't know if you like that. Oh, I do. There's just something so fucking primal about being covered from fucking navel to thigh in blood. Man, I'm not, on that, I'm not in that club, but I give you credit for talking about it. And I've been there. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, listen. So, you know what? I'm sorry. It, it, it was... It, 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 I did it recently. All right, what are you going to do? But it wasn't Be like- proud. Be proud that you're man enough to satisfy your woman 
mean, even when she's just, bleeding, just because they're suffering from cramps and ble- you know, sex helps with that for them, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, sex helps alleviate the menstrual the cramps. Cramp. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Now I know. So you're doing a good work. You're doing a good deed. This is a great podcast. Uh, let me finish up. Her and I, you know, hooked up. We're spending. Did she have nice boobs. She did. Nice. You would approve. She's an Italian girl from Jersey. Ah. Uh. She says mozzarella. No, no. You don't. If if she's from New Jersey and Italian, you don't pronounce the a at the end of the word. It's just mozzarella. I mean, I'm not doing it justice, but that's how she talks. I get it. I'm just being stupid. It's good. It's good. And you know, for the first couple, like the first year I was gone, I'd blow back into town every once in a while. I'd crash at her place. Keep seeing her. The one you time ever, you ever poop there? Oh yeah. Nice. Probably the second time I was there. Got to mark your territory. Wait, air freshener or no air freshener? Hey, I go with what's provided. <laughs> Are you a baby wipes guy now or just like a straight toilet paper guy? Baby wipes? Yeah, you dude F- wipes. I, I carry dude wipes with me. Fuck the environment. I'll flush those motherfuckers. Give me one of these right here. I'm, I'm with you, pal. <laughs> Got to keep the stink star clean. That's right. My butthole is more important than the ocean. Yeah, I mean, you're a father. You should be thinking about the future. I don't plan to breed. No, the reality is, like, the top scientists in the world have said that, like, whatever recycling we do right now is not even going to throw a dent into the problem. Oh, so we're fucked. I should just do a whole pack at a time down the toilet. Fuck it. I like to hope, I like to think that, like, that we can still do some good, but for the reality is, um, how do you expect me to do good with a stinky butthole? Yeah, I don't want you to. Nor do I want, you know, I don't know what color sheets they have. God forbid they have white and you had Indian and, you know, you didn't shower. You know what I'm saying? Or they're on their period. Right. You want me to put a towel down? No. These are your sheets. That's your call, girl. (laughs) That's your call. Whatever makes you happy. Um, You seem like a fun guy to go to Vegas with, man. Only if you like playing craps. You know what? I need to learn how to play craps. How have you been on this planet almost 40 years and you know I'm how not, to play craps? I'm not, I'm not a lucky guy, man. I don't, I don't gamble. See, craps is not... Okay, I'll get into the gambling I system. I am a lucky guy in my life right now, but I'm not a lucky guy when I play games. I'll get into the gambling system in a moment. Let me just finish up with my, my lost love. Not even love, but whatever. You, you know what I mean. Um, fast forward to one of the times I blew into town. We go out for drinks. And then? Go back to her place, and we're on her porch, and she's like, I'm not having sex with anyone. I'm not in a relationship anymore. Which means that her vagina is ready for you. And I flat out said to her, I'm like, if I lived here, we'd be in a relationship. But I don't live here, and I'm not moving back. She put the brakes on the door. I was feeling rather rejected. She's like, well, do you want to go out and keep drinking? I'm like, no, I think I'm going to just go back to my hotel. I went out and kept drinking. Okay. Because, you know, this is someone I've been hooking up with for the better part of a year at this point. Mm. Yeah, I felt pretty fucking rejected Mm. in that situation. So, no, I didn't want to keep going out with her for the rest of the night. No, it was over with. But, you know, fast forward, when I came in for dealing with my father's shit, ended up drinking with her and be like, I think you're the one who got away. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Say lobby. Right now, be honest with me. If she were to walk into this apartment and like say and look at you in the face, your handsome face, and say, 
you're the one that got away. What would you do with that information? Well, I'd tell you to hold down the fort while I go bang it out. Right. Because we have to get the content done. I can't just end the show because beautiful women show up. Oh, she's hot. I mean, I'm about punching above my weight. Yeah, but you also got a charisma to you. We're not fucking tonight. You know, whenever someone prefaces that without me bringing it up, that means we're fucking. Yeah, we're fucking tonight. (laughs) I call top. (laughs) I call top. Another (laughs) t-shirt. Come on, man. This guy's a t-shirt factory. And I just give it away on the fucking internet. Shit. I'm not even fucking around, man. That's like you got some t-shirt ideas. I do. I do actually. So to the Vegas thing. Because the segue, the segue, the segue. My lives in Vegas, has a bar there. Uh, When you go to the AVNs uh, again uh, this year, or yeah, 2020, when are they usually? January. I'd like to go around the same time. I'll bring you to my friend's bar. Um, You could go to the fest and whatnot, but let's go out on the town. Let's do do something. I'll do child play craps. So the thing about craps is, okay, first and foremost, this is how I gamble. Any money I've taken out to gamble with, is considered spent. I look at gambling as entertainment. What other form of entertainment can you buy and expect to get your money back? Exactly. That's a great way of putting it, but also extremely stupid. How's that stupid? Because money goes bye-bye. Well, it's budgeting money. So you buy concert tickets, right? Yes. So they're 150 bucks. Right. Well, that 150 is spent. Yeah. Well, I budgeted... 300 400 whatever the amount is to gamble that money's spent okay if i break even i won because hmm. i didn't actually spend the money for my entertainment okay i get it i like this logic the the trick is don't go beyond what your fucking budget is so set a budget and stay there right this is what i'm willing to spend on my entertainment hmm. you, and what are you drinking when you gamble specifically whiskey most likely whiskey mm-hmm I'm a whiskey guy. Mm-hmm. Except when the show is brought to you by Ghost Tequila. <laughs> is that, I've never tasted that. It's really good. I need another bottle to get from my sponsors. Send me a bottle, motherfuckers. Come on, man. I want to try it. And I got a big mouth. It's 100%. I'm not going to do the ad read. But, and the thing I love about craps is, generally, if the shooter's winning, the whole table's winning. Okay. So it's a fun party environment. I didn't know that. And that's why it looks like that in all the movies. Exactly. That's why everyone's cheering for the shooter. Come on, shooter. Come on. Because if the shooter's winning, unless you're the dick who's betting with the house, you're winning when the shooter's winning. Hmm. There's a lot of area on that table. I don't, know what it all, I don't know what it all means. but uh, Here's the basics. Hmm. For the audience at home and my new buddy, Matt. Yeah. When the shooter does their first roll, it's called the come out roll. Mm-hmm. What they're trying to do is set a point. The point is either four, five, six, eight, nine, or ten. Mm-hmm. If they set point on the come out roll, mm-hmm. their goal is to roll that again. What's the likelihood of that? Depending on what number is the come out roll, there's much more ways to make a six, a five, or an eight than there is a four. Or a 10. Okay. How many people can play at the same time on the same game? Uh, I don't know exactly how many positions, but there's about 10 positions. Okay. All right. Now, there's a bunch of other side bets that can happen. But that is 
the absolute most basic thing of the game. The shooter is trying to hit point again. The shooter keeps rolling until they hit seven. When they hit seven, they crap out. It's literally called crapping out. Yep. Okay. Now, the thing about it is, seven is the easiest combination on two dice to make. Okay, so the odds are in your favor with this game. Well, the odds are in the house's favor. Mm. Because they keep shooting until they hit seven. Right. Then the game ends. Then the game ends, moves on to the next shooter. All the bets are taken down. And how do you um, organize who the next shooter is? It just goes clockwise. Oh, okay. So this is more simple than I thought. People get intimidated because there are a lot of side bets that can go on. Mm-hmm. So on the come out roll, I could bet that he's going to hit a 7 and hit 11. You can bet on the craps. You can bet on, say, you want to put a bet on 6 the hard way, which means you're betting that the next time 6 is rolled, it's going to be two threes. Mm-hmm. If 6 comes up and it's 5 and 1 or 4 and 2, you lose your bet. But it comes up two threes, it pays 8 to 1 on most tables. Okay, so that's why people play craps. This is exciting. Yeah, it's an exciting, fun game. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with you. It's a promise. We'll go to the El Cortez and do it scummy. I don't know where that is, but let's do it. It's on Fremont. It's on the very... I love Fremont. It is the far east end of Fremont. It is an old, divey, old-school Vegas casino. If you're there on a weeknight, they have $3 craps tables. Um, What do you wear? Anything? You're looking at it. Yeah. Okay. I I just I only reason I, the, the first and only time I was on Fremont, I was going through a breakup. I had uh, I, and I went to the whiskey bar downtown in Los Angeles called um, Seven Grand. Yeah, Seven Grand. Nope, it's, never heard of it. My, of course you have. But he, I used to work for that company, Two One Three, that did uh, that bar as well as others. I was going through a breakup. This was like maybe seven years ago. And I walk in there, and I run into this bartender friend of mine that I, I used to work with at the Soho House in West Hollywood years ago. And he's like, what are you doing on 4th of July weekend? This was a while ago. And I said, I got nothing. I'm going through a breakup. I'm pretty fucked up. Pour me a shot, you know? He's like, come with me and my buddies to Vegas. We all work here. We're all whiskey fanatics. We're all going to wear suits, smoke cigars, and walk down Fremont. And it was the best fucking night ever. I mean, like, it was just like the quintessential Los Angeles. Night. I, I knew like one of the people. We left as best friends. It's like a senile fucking swingers. Yeah, it legitimately was. It really was. It was, it was, it was fantastic. But yeah, I'll, I will do that with you. Awesome. See, I like dressing like a scumbag while I smoke a cigar. Because it really kind of, you kind of peacock when people are like, why is that scummy metal dude just sitting there smoking a stogie? How metal are you, though? I don't know. Do you listen to Fear? Fear's more punk than it is metal. Ah, yes, that's right. Now, this isn't metal. Just is a sidebar question. Do you like Coheed and Cambria? Not really my jam. Okay. I was into them when they, before they w- are what they are now. They're from my college town, so I was listening to them when they were a band called Shibuti, uh, which means ninja in Japanese. They were like more of like a... They were more of an emo band back in the day. Some A&R guy definitely did his job when he got them to change their name. Yep. That A&R guy's name is Ashton Holmes. He's a famous actor now. He's in a bunch of movies, but he was the guy that took them from obscurity and introduced them to Equal Vision Records, which is um, 
in like Staten Island, New York, I believe, which is if you remember a band called Saves the Day. Um, they were signed to them as well as uh, Boxer. No, they were on uh, a different record, Victory Records. Anyway, Chicago's own Victory Records. Are you kidding? I didn't know that Victory Records was a Chicago company. It is. I so know a ta- lot of people that have worked for Victory. So we're talking Victory was. Um, let's go down the list of the Victory bands. Atreyu. Oh wow. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else was like big Victory. Thursday. Right. Yeah, you know, we have the internet. We could just not guess at this. Yeah. Um, Armor for Sleep. Well, you probably wouldn't like them. No offense. That, I mean, like they're not a great band, but I'm just saying. <laughs> we'll go to Victory's featured artists. There is only one band on their featured artists that I actually like. Man, their roster has gotten really. Oh, really... nowadays I don't know what they're doing, but they they shepherded in the whole screamo movement. They did. My boys on at Jungle Rotter signed to Victory these days. Nice. Okay. Cool. Jungle Rod out of Racine, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Do you listen to the Hold Steady? Mm-mm. Do you know about them? I do not. Oh, you should. You should listen to the Hold Steady. They're from the, your part of the country. I love that it's now my part of the country. <laughs> like, I I have some ownership of that motherfucker. It's not just where I was shattered you know into what the I world. Hate, though, especially uh, speaking of ownership, sports teams where people are like, I love what my Mets are doing this season. I love what my my my, my Knicks. They're not your Knicks. They're not your Mets. No one on that team knows that you exist. It's true. It's true. And I don't see you having a fucking contract with them. Right. Well, it's just fucking tribalism and the fact that people did distractions from their mundane fucking lives. So they latch on to whatever local sports team they have so they feel better about themselves when that team fucking wins. Or they know what two sentences to speak on the train so that they feel like their existence is valid. Their life is so shitty, so mundane, that their happiness is tied to... The actions of complete strangers. Now, are we saying this because we didn't like sports as children? I appreciate sports. I like watching a baseball game. The aesthetic of having a golf game on makes me feel white and cool. But, like, I'm not a sports guy. I watch MMA, and that is it. Great. I like watching sweaty men punch each other. That makes sense. Does it? Well, it kind of go like, the, the stuff that you're into in general... The kind of people you probably hang out with in your life socially, the music you listen to, all these things kind of make sense. Well, for me, MMA was a natural evolution of my pro wrestling fandom in the 90s. Of which I am somewhat a professional wrestler. We were talking about that off air. Uh, I did a television show for the WWE Network, two seasons called Swerved, which was Executive produced by Jeff Tremaine, who created Jackass. And they called me up one day to be a writer for the show. And I wrote a whole bunch of bits that are on, on television right now. You could Google them. But one of them was called Muscles Marinara, where I would uh, chase after professional wrestlers in places where they're having lunch or working out and get them to pour marinara sauce on me and wrestle me and stuff. But it was a, an incredible experience because... I loved wrestling growing up and the simple fact that I could interact with these people that are gods among and goddesses among men. Um, Paige and I are friends now. Like, uh, I did a bit with her where she was doing meet and greets and I was like an idiot, like perverted dad. And she was bringing her friends to meet with me 
and whatnot and sit on my lap and I would say stuff. So we would videotape the whole thing. It was a hidden camera show. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you ever just go on the WWE network, if you pay for it and you type in Swerved season one, I'm all over that season and I'm credited as a writer as well. I will definitely check it out. Yeah. And now you know. And now I know. And knowing it was half the battle. Mm-hmm. Red and blue lasers, 25% apiece. <laughs> That's, that is totally stolen from somebody else. But when you, do, when you come to my restaurant, do not order BLT. You must trust me on this. <laughs> I, I trust you when it comes to sandwiches in general. Mm-hmm. I feel like, do you remember clout? No. Okay. no. It was a social media thing where it measured your expertise in various areas. You'd link your Twitter, your Instagram, your Facebook to it, and it would me- measure your expertise in various topics. Okay. And I was just thinking, like, if clout was still a thing, you would have clout and sandwiches. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, man, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, one clout did exist. <laughs> it listed me as an expert in drinking, which I don't know what that says about my alcoholism, but yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you have a podcast about drinking. I mean, if, if you can get paid to do just this, I'm sure you would. So, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to be paid pretty well because I'm pretty sure my insurance premiums will go way up if I do this full time. Well, yeah, that goes without saying, you know. Having to do this show five days a week, would be, uh, I'd be dead. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, but I'm going to die anyway, so if I'm going to go out like that, I'll go out like that. Well, I will say this, though. Uh, I've done, you know, probably three dozen podcasts since I've lived here, and I think it's a pretty cool medium. And this is the first one that I feel the most like myself. So I appreciate you inviting me here, and <laughs> hook, line, and sinker was like, we're drinking I'm in and I can walk there I'm in hey I mean that was a happy accident but the rest of it you know by design and this is just the seed that is planted ladies and gentlemen we're gonna get wings we're gonna go to Vegas he knows big breasted people I mean besides me I'm pretty voluptuous they're not that big if we shave them we could see how how it happens oh or how, how it all comes together. <laughs> comes on my show. Ins- insults my tits. In, d- don't come on my show and insult my tits. That's another t-shirt. I'm going to pull it together. I'm going to pull it together. Matt, be strong. You have great tits. You're going to be great. I don't know why I'm running with this bit, but. We're going to end on a bit about tits. Well, we have a little time before we end on that bit about tits. Well, then can I have more alcohol? Of course. All right. I'm going to switch. Should I stick to tequila? Whatever you want to drink, man. All right. I am I'm here to enable your drinking. That is why we have various choices on what kind of alcohol you would like to consume. Give me two secs. Why do you think I brought the bottle to the table? All right. I'm going to have that. I'm just going to rinse this out. Whatever you would like. For the audience at home, Matt is now going to consume his fourth different alcohol this evening fifth he has had vodka he has had canned trader joe's red wine he has had tequila he has had malort and now he will have 94 proof bourbon good night if matt dies this is not my fault he signed the waiver i'm gonna be fine and i live up the block what's your son's name phil oh that's right he's named after your father right yep and my brother so Phil, 
if I happen to accidentally kill your father tonight... He's not going to. Please don't come after me in 20 years for vengeance. I'll be an old man. I won't be able to defend myself. He understands death. He's five. It's crazy. How did that come about? A peer of his passed away. Cancer? Uh, something else. Uh, that I actually don't know the exact answer, but something that was terminal. Stuck with Kevin Spacey for a while? <laughs> oh, man, that's not nice. But uh, I mean, that's a horrible way to go. God, man. Yeah, that is. If I, was tra- if I were trapped in a, uh, a room with Kevin Spacey, it would freak me the fuck out. Have you ever seen the movie K-Pax? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have. I've seen my wall of DVDs. You know I've seen K-Pax. Who's your favorite actor? My favorite actor? I mean, who, if, 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 to this day, if someone's coming out with a movie, right? But you have to go see them. Who is it? There's no one I have to go see. I am about plot and writing. Okay. Like, I understand that amazing actors do fucking turds. Sure. Paul Giamatti makes bad movies. Yeah, he was in The Amazing Spider-Man. Was he? He played Rhino. Did not know that. Fucking horrible. Oh, shit. And he plays a bad, like, Russian on, on top of it. The Jewish, the Jewiest Italian ever playing a Russian. Yeah. But he also was in the Howard Stern biopic, Private Parts. He was. And what was his name? Pigfucker? No. Pig Vomit. Pig Vomit. See? I'm great at Trivia Night. I don't doubt it. Sideways is an amazing movie. Oh, God. That is a great movie. He was in, like, a, a, a very well critically acclaimed movie uh it came out like last year called like suburbia or something anyway uh, he's a great actor and he's been he's been in the game for a while and he's got a show called the billions or something on showtime that no, like no one watches i watch billions really oh yeah i'm wrong the show started off being more drama and it has gotten more and more ridiculous as it's gone on okay did you watch californication I did. I loved Californication. Man, that show totally jumped the shark at one point, though. Oh, yeah, no. The first couple of seasons were fucking fantastic. And then it just got real fucking out there. Well, it just got really out there and very formulaic. Mm -hmm. Hank's going to get involved with some woman that he shouldn't be involved with. Some crazy shit's going to happen. Some crazy shit's going to happen. He's going to go back to his baby mama. Mm -hmm. Did you see... um, White Famous, which was the black version of Californication. No, I didn't see that, but I, I saw the preview, and I remember wanting to watch it, but it lasted like less than a season. No, it lasted a full season, okay. and then Showtime scrubbed it out of existence. You can't even watch it on demand. Why? I don't know. Huh. But it's, just, you know, it's the same writer as Californication. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, that's why it was exactly Californication's fucking... Oh, I didn't know that it was like that. Okay. Jay Farrell has a kid, an estranged wife, and is having sex with people, and... Who, uh, do you watch Atlanta? Never saw Atlanta. Oof. That's a show that you got to watch, man. That's like, that's like if Twin Peaks and Entourage had a baby in Atlanta. Does it feature the Claremont Lounge? I don't know. Off the top of my head. Have you ever been to Atlanta? Yeah, but I've never been to the Claremont Lounge. Do you know what it is? No. Oh, oh. If you ever make it back to Atlanta. I hope to. I love the town. The Claremont Lounge is a technically a strip club in the loosest sense of the word. Okay. In the basement of what it, last time I was there was an abandoned hotel. Okay. 
I've heard since I've last been to Atlanta, they actually opened the hotel and made a ritzy rooftop bar on the top of the hotel. I got to go here. But it is a complete and utter dive. It's like intentionally unattractive strippers. That should be the name of our like our band. Intentionally unattractive strippers? Yeah. Like, well, I watched a stripper crush cans with her breasts. I'm into it. Or another stripper have lit candles on her nipples as she twirled them around. Imagine those were sparklers. I feel the candles are a little more impressive because like the wax was actually on her breasts. Oh, you mean okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like lit candles on her breasts as she But it's an amazing dive, especially on weekends. It's kind of like the vibe you get at Jumbos, where it's not just dudes in a strip club. It's a whole mix of people partying in a weird Jumbos strip. is great, by the way. I do I love Jumbos. Oh man. I got laid because of Jumbos. Oh, I want to hear that story. Well, I mean, it's not as in, as uh, it's not as crazy as you would ho- I would hope it to be. But there was a friend of mine from back east that visited me, and I had never been to Jumbos, uh, female, and we went there and had the time of our lives, and we didn't bang that night. We, but, but because we've been friends our whole lives, and like we never crossed that line, and uh, she came back a couple of months later. She's like, I wanted to. I wanted to bang you the whole time we were at Jumbo's, and uh, I'm here to bang you now. So I got I got laid because we had so much fun at Jumbo's, and there was so much sexual chemistry that was thrown into the ether because of that amazing venue that isn't necessarily a strip club. It's more just a fun house, and with talented women entertaining crowds of people that in in a classically uncharacteristic uncharacteristically way. Um, but it's it's a wonderful spot. If you come to LA, go to fucking Jumbos. You should do that before you go see the fucking Walk of Fame. Just don't go to the Walk of Fame. Fuck the Walk of Fame. It's like walking over a shitstorm. It's shitty Times Square. It, it's it's less it's less than that. It's like if someone burned Times Square, put it back together with a couple of shitty blocks. There's nothing there. You're gonna go to Hollywood and Vine to a mall. Great. Hollywood and Highland. Hollywood and Vine's actually good. Hollywood and Vine is um what's at Hollywood and Vine? Thirty three taps. Which is cool. Well, what's really at Hollywood and Vine, which I the I want to give them apologies. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm joking. Lost property. What's that? Oh, you've never been to Lost no, Property. No, man. Apparently we gotta know each other. So right behind thirty three taps is a brown door. The okay. blue sign that is a martini glass and a piece of luggage. That's all it is. You open the door. You walk inside a dimly lit, amazing mixology bar. Get out. Uh, it is my favorite bar in Hollywood that I don't go to enough. Ha! Huh. Lost property. Occasionally they have live jazz. Is there a cover charge? Nope. Okay. All right. It's an amazing spot. Hmm. Yeah, I get like, it. The bartenders there are real service industry people, which is a fucking rarity in this town. Facts. You know, you work in the service industry. How many fucking people are, I'm an actor. Like, I'm a musician. They don't think of their service industry job as their actual job. Oh, you know, like my friend that's in Vegas that I told you about, he's been a service industry professional this whole time. You know, and he's always really, you know, he, he, he owned this town when he lived here and he used that... Uh, clout 
to move to a a, a different city and uh, and take over you know it's been an interesting thing to observe but yeah this is a town where no one like i'm behind the bar i have no problem standing behind a bar i'm more comfortable there than in front of the camera but i think that a lot of people are shameful about the fact that they have to do that as a quote unquote side gig while they're quote unquote pursuing the reality is you know you're good at a bunch of things for me my main thing is strangers i'm into strangers i'm into meeting them and the best way to do it is as someone like me or a toll booth person but being a toll booth person you don't, you're not given the availability of, of, of giving them something that's going to tell, like, that's going to make people spew truth at you. It's 2019. I don't think that's a job anymore. Yeah, you're probably right. We're showing our age. Like, the millennials are like, what? Toll booth person? What, what's you mean, that? You mean Easy Pass was a human? Yeah, it's so weird. So weird. But on the, the LA, like, service industry front, uh, in one of my many poor life choices, I allowed one of my ex-girlfriends to move in with me like four years ago. Oh, I, that is a poor life choice. Oh, 100%. Does she have big boobs? She does. Okay. She's very attractive. But, and in my head at the time, I'm like, oh, we're reconciling. Well, she moved like from Chicago and came and stayed with me. Okay. This was a horrible, horrible idea. But she's a bartender. And she went out for a bunch of bar jobs in LA. And she was just flabbergasted by she'd go out for these bar jobs. And they'd be like, So what are you here to do? She's like, Bartend? No, no, no. I, I get that. But are you an actress? Are you a model? Are you a musician? What are you here to do? Like the hiring manager at one of the bars is like, Well, I'm a musician. He's an actor. So what are you here to do? She's bartend hmm. it's just a fucking rarity in the service industry here oh yeah it really is and when you when you find those people you adhere to them you know um where i grew up doing that for a profession is completely normal and something you can do is it um respected absolutely new york city absolutely it is if oh, you could, if you could, you know, Chicago it is too. I left in 2011. I have a lot of friends that are working service industry to this day. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are working at the same bars they were when I left, which is great because I still get comp tabs when I go home. What are those bars? Well, of course the the home exit Chicago, mm-hmm. Chicago's oldest punk bar, the Cobra Lounge. Ooh, okay, another punk bar. Um. The one that got away is still working at a bar called Bootleggers in the Viagra Triangle. What is the Viagra Triangle? Like Russian Division. Oh my God, I love this shit. We call it the Viagra Triangle because there's a bunch of old dudes trying to hit on young girls. Um, is um, is is the neighborhood that was a dangerous place that I ended up walking through when I was like 21 years old in February? It was called uh, uh, started with a W. What's a what's the most dangerous neighborhood to walk through in uh? I mean, Wrigleyville's only dangerous to walk through if you're a woman. Anyway, where they shot the movie Candyman. Remember the movie Candyman? That was in Cabrini Green. That's where I was walking through. <laughs> yeah. That's where I was walking through. When I was 21 years old. Wasted. Not a good move. 
Well, they told they tore down those towers, so. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what I wanted. To, we started the podcast when I said to him out on the balcony, we'll, let's save this story for the podcast. So that's, that's a story I'll tell. You're from Chicago. I performed in the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival uh, with my group Basket Case from New York, where comedy groups from all over the country were competing slash performing with one another uh, at the second city stage. Budweiser promoted the event and sponsored it. We did a wonderful job. We killed it. You know, we were young, aggressive, talented, hilarious kids from New York City. Everyone that was there that I was with was in a relationship. I was the only single guy at that point. And we succeeded this one evening, and they, my whole group went back to the hotel. And I stayed and drank, like, probably 24 Bud Lights easily, trying to mack it to this girl. I don't think it worked out. But the second I got outside of the comedy club, a cab comes to pick me up. It's freezing outside, like probably around 10 degrees outside. And your bladder constricts, as you know, when you're cold. And I needed to pee, like instantaneously. But then this cab let me in, and I told this gentleman where I was going. And we drove off to the hotel, which was a nice place that my collaborator slash co-comedian booked. Right by those like big uh, circle-sized like iconic buildings that are on the cover of that Wilco album that are in Chicago. I forget the name of those buildings, with like the balconies that are around the whole circumference of the building. They he drops me off and I go to the convenience store adjacent to the hotel and I walk in and I say to the guy, "I'm like bathroom." He's like, "No, you can't use a bathroom." I'm like, "I'm gonna buy a pack of smokes. I'm gonna buy a, a, a Newcastle." Like. I just need to pee right now. He's like, you can't pee. I'm like, really? He's like, really? I'm like, really? He's like, really? I'm like, good. And I stretch my arms out like Jesus. And I pee right in front of this man in the middle of his store in my pants. Right? And the pee's, you know, soils the pants and it goes down to the ground. And I said, let me get a pack of smokes. (laughs) And I bought a pack of smokes from him. I go back to the hotel after peeing myself in the store. In the store, and a van pulls up with smoke billowing out of it. And I I noticed the people getting out of the van. African American men and women. And I smell the pot smoke coming out of the van. And I look even closer, and it's Method Man, and the entire Wu Tang Clan. They had just performed in Chicago and were going back into the same hotel that I was staying in to party in the penthouse. And I walk up to them, soiled in my own piss, and I ask them to party with me. I'm like, yo, I'm real fun. I just won this comedy festival. Like, I got donuts in my room. I could bring them to the party. And they're like, the girl's like, he just paid himself. Get him out of here. You know, no one wants anything to do with me. So I walked up to my like the room that I was staying in with my comedy group. I took my pants off with the intention of like taking a shower and like cleaning off and like going to the party, but I sat pantless in the chair by the desk with the donuts on it. And I ate like three donuts, fell asleep on the donuts, and my friend asked me what I was doing. He woke up and was like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm just sitting here with no pants on, just trying to finish these donuts so I could hang out with Method Man. I woke up on the donuts when the sun came up. I never hung out with Method Man. But I peed my pants in that store. And that was my first experience in Chicago. It's okay. 
It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, Method Man probably would have taken your anal cherry. That's how that night would have probably ended. So, and you were a little young to you know. That anal cherry back then would have been perfect. I've had a couple of big dumps since then, and a couple of hard years. Well, you need more fiber. I guess so. That's that's the moral of the story. And moisture. This story sounds like it had a lot of moisture. It did, yeah. At least you didn't need a lot of asparagus before pissing yourself. That would have been even worse. Oh, my God. That smell, it, it, it speaks volumes. I don't mind it that much, but it's pretty poignant. Really? It's not so much for you. It's for your partner. When you pee on them, you don't want to have water sports with asparagus pee. Have you ever had a partner want you to pee on them? Sadly, no. No, me neither. But I've like the night's young. We'll find someone. I mean, we could go somewhere. Ever. I mean, we're going to Rustic, aren't we? Yay, Rustic bitches! Like, yo, Rustic, which one of you bitches want me to pee on you? <laughs> I stopped calling women bitches though. You got oh, me. I'm talking about dudes. Oh my god, yeah, I'll pee on a dude. I'll pee on a dude, bitch. I'll pee on a dude, bitch. Another T-shirt. I'll pee on a dude, bitch. It won't even be sexual. It's just me marking my territory. No comma between dude and bitch. Why would I disrespect women like that? Come on. Dude, like, what? what is happening here? What, what podcast? I love I- women. I love women. I mean, I really do. I never thought that at 38 years old that I would be able to date, that I'd be in a position in my life to date much younger women. How young are you dating at the moment? 24. Golf clap. And that's like that's happened before. Like I'm not actively seeking that, but I guess maybe subconsciously I am. It's just I just never thought. Like I'm a single dad. I guess I have some of my shit together. But there are women that are that young that are attracted to me. And you know what? Women are mature at that age because they get fucking. Maybe I'm immature. I don't know. But I just didn't know that it was going to happen. I mean, why do you think I keep the grays? I got a couple of grays too. Yeah, yeah, they're into it. Yeah, I don't get it, but hey, whatever floats your boat, lady. Tickles your pickle. Well, I mean, I want them to tickle my pickle. I hope they don't have pickles. Yeah, but they just got to do the twist. Well, I mean. You got to do the twist. Two hands. Yeah, man. The twist is where it's at. The twist is, is if, 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 if someone does the twist to you. Wait, I got to know. You didn't have your son circumcised. I'm assuming you're uncircumcised? Though? No, I'm circumcised. Just Google circumcision and watch the videos. You won't circumcise your child. Well, I was just curious if you were self-lubricating also. No, I'm not self-lubricating. Well, obviously, you got circumcised. Right. I'm, I'm you know, I'm J-O with all kinds of stuff. The first time I J-O'd, it was with shaving cream, and I got chafed. Oof. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't get it in the urethra, right? No. Because that would be a burn you will never forget. No, no, I, I, I've, I've done similar things like that. You know, I jerked off with uh, conditioner once when I was a kid. Only once. Yeah. <laughs> Only once. Don't lie to my audience. Don't lie to my audience. Only when you once. Start jerking off, man. Like you're like, you, how many things can I use as lubricants? Whatever's within arm's reach. It's crazy. I mean, I tried bar soap at some point. Oh yeah, so so have I. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like it's good for like four strokes and then you gotta reapply it. Jerking off at 14, 13, it's like a brave new world. It's like a you that moment where you could sneak off, lock a door, and just jerk off. It's it's more like now, you know, everyone's gotta masturbate. Like you have to. It's kind of part of mental conditioning. It helps you fight cancer. It helps you fight cancer. Uh, uh, but when you're that young, 
It's like a unicorn walks in the room and winks at you. That's how magical it is. I was such a dumb kid. I just fucked pillows. My friend Dave, he's amazing. Is an amazing guy. He made. He's like he came over one afternoon. This is so fucking crazy. He's like, let's make pocket pusses. And I was like, what's a pocket puss? He's like, we're gonna take a bunch of cotton balls and we're gonna wrap a bunch of paper around the cotton balls and then tape it together and we're gonna make our own pussies. And I was like, Dave. I don't have that kind of time. And he looked at me right in the face and he said, Matt, you're going to help me make this pocket pussy right now. And we made pocket pussies. See, I definitely did not have that kind of time to get the poison out. Yeah, you didn't have Dave. I didn't. Everyone needs a Dave. This guy made me hop fences, hop off a boat and swim home. He made me smoke my first cigarette. But more importantly, he was my champion. I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. This was my one friend that would ride around town and look for the people that beat me up. You know what I'm saying? And then he would come over and play Dungeons and Dragons with me. And we would draw pictures of Bart Simpson fucking a mailbox and leave them in our neighbor's mailboxes. He was such a weird guy and a great friend. Where is he now? Florida. Where he belongs. <laughs> he's a wonderful human being. and I, I Well, yeah, he's Florida man. I just finished this uh, one-man show about my childhood, and he's an integral part of it. Like, I, I wouldn't have a son without Dave right now. I wouldn't have... What, was he pushing your hips for you? No, he, he, he introduced me to performing when I was a kid, and that turned into me going to the summer camp that uh, his mom turned my mom on to, where I met this child, this young lady, when I was 12, who ended up 20 years later becoming the mother of my child. You know, I mean, the stories are countless, which is incredibly, think, think about it, is incredibly amazing. But had I not met this young boy one fateful uh, morning at maybe seven years old, I, I wouldn't be here right now. And had Gina, my high school girlfriend with the big perky tits, not broken up with me because she wanted to hang out with this kid John and play with his ding dong, I wouldn't have left my hometown gone away to college and learned how to do comedy, which ultimately wouldn't have brought me to New York City, which ultimately wouldn't have brought me to Los Angeles, which is why I'm here with you right now. Oh, I thought you were here with me right now for our you know, mutual love of alcohol. And wings and boobs. We're going fucking the strip club downtown. Yeah, I'll make it happen. Yes. I'll be the, ge- I'll be the, ge- I'll be the guest that comes back. You'll be one of many that come back. People like to do this show, goddammit. I'll do it again for sure, no question. Until you, know, you find out that your liver's failing because you've done the show a few, too many times. Uh, read my last name a couple of times in a row. You know that my liver's had some conditioning. See, that's why I tell people. People don't fucking believe that. You've got to beat it into submission. It's a workout. You've got to work the liver out. I don't, listen, I, I, I don't drink uh, hard liquor that much. I, I'm a beer guy, and I started this show off with a fucking rosé. Like, I've evolved to uh, simpler times, or simpler wines, if you will. I know what I can deal with based on what I have, but, like, I don't have work tomorrow. Um, and, and even if you did, that's a future problem. <laughs> that's the funniest thing that was said today so far. We, should, we definitely need to have that uh, in the video clip for this. A future problem. Oh, future problems is, like, 
one of my kind of catchphrases. Like I, it, I like that. No one's ever said that to me. Like that. Most things are future problems. You'll deal with that in the future. It's okay. <laughs> future Matt hates past Matt. No, future Matt appreciates past Matt. Depending on the situation. I, Matt, past Matt has definitely made some choices that are, are, are questionable, worth judging. Past Matt makes very questionable choices, usually when they involve his penis. Mm, I, I mean, I, this Matt, not, not that Matt. Oh, yeah, not this Matt. Okay. I'm speaking for both myself. Both of our names are Matt. He's slaying, and the last four letters of my last name spell anus. So the slay anus. Slayness. I, I guess it's that kind of party. It's that kind of party. Bring the jelly beans in the lube and put your phone on silent, except for Steve. He's got to call his dad and put him on voicemail. Hey, Steve's dad's a rad motherfucker. He spins fucking vinyl in New York. I don't doubt it. I actually, I was just talking to this about this with a friend last night. I am actually going to competently, for once, not make a poor dick choice. I am really good at making poor dick choices. Okay. Namely, sticking my dick where I should not. Okay. Well, I just had very recently a vagina just like flat out offered to me. I'm like, no, this is not where I need to be. I do that all the time now. How did you get to that level of maturity where it's like it's an all the time thing? Uh, maybe I misspoke. I've I've been doing it a lot. I've been doing it recently. Uh, a lot's the wrong word. I pick and choose my battles. I end things before um, anyone gets emotionally invested. Oh, I'm not talking about emotional investment. I'm just talking about orgasms. Uh A young lady wanted me to come over and have some fun a couple nights ago, and we've done it before in the past. Not a a couple of weeks ago. And I said no, because I wasn't completely enthralled by the idea. Why weren't you enthralled by it? Hmm. What did this young lady do to you that you don't want to get off? You ever been with someone? <laughs> um, I love how that started. Have you ever? Nope, nope, nope. Backing away from that question. <laughs> Let's just say that we had uh, um, uh, but it, we, in sports, when someone injures themselves on the field, what do we call that? An injury? So you bent her in ways she wasn't supposed to bend? She bent you in ways you weren't supposed to bend? Sort of, yeah. Okay, we got to get details here. I'm going to give you I'm going to give I'm going to give you what I'm going to give you and you can't ask anything else beyond it. I make no promises about that. You can plead the fifth if you want, but we know you're guilty when you do that. All right. So you know the there's a position called doggy style, correct? I've been led to believe there's such right. a thing. Okay. Pornography has taught me that there's something called doggy style. All right. Whew. And you know that like during that position, sometimes the person in the front wants to reach back and grab something that is also thrusting towards a situation in the front. That could either be a set of, spherical balls that are just you know i was about to say you obviously don't have an irish dick if she's grabbing your cock while you're inside her no i got a big dick golf Uh, clap again yeah golf golf clap 
Um, and you know when you pop at you, I can't believe I'm telling this. Sometimes you, uh, yeah, no, it's a bad angle. You pop out. It it's happened to the best of us. So there was a collision. All right, there was a a, a, a hand dick collision that took so she's like just for the camera, like tip into the palm of her hand. Yeah, yes, okay, and it's it it, it, it was not the most pleasurable experience. It, it, you know, we all went moved on from it. Hey, she was just helping me last longer. Right, but there was a collision, and the collision wasn't good. This was you know a long time ago. So uh, like two weeks ago, <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> just well over a year ago. Uh, oh, she's coming for repeat business a year later? Yeah, after the, a collision. You need to give her the D. You were memorable if she's coming back around a year later. She has options. Women have all the options. If she's coming back around a year later, you were memorable. Oh, yeah, no, I'm a good lover. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, say, I say the kinds of things that I want them to hear and the things that I know that we should be experiencing. I feel like... Um, there's a level of juvenile bliss attached to every interpersonal and sexual experience. Um, that you don't want to you don't want to forget that magic. I think that there's something there. Um, a lot of my dude friends are like into like hard fucking. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not into hard fucking. You I'm, make love. I'm a love maker. I love <laughs> making love. You know, I'm all of it. You know, I'm you know you put I. I, I have a, a, a mix on my Spotify called 69, and it's a great mix. Anyone who I've ever sent it to, hook, line, and sinker, dead on balls accurate, knows how to do it. How much Marvin Gaye is in that motherfucker? There's about four songs in there. Bravo. Yeah. Um, I also want, this is, my brain just went to a different arena. Um, so when I did become single uh, for the first time in a long time, three years ago, I was not very successful in online dating, and my best friend in New York, who was going through a divorce, came out here for a week to get his head out of his divorce and kind of just hang out with his knucklehead friend, which was me. And we were at Norm's, and he was like, "What about online dating?" I'm like, "That shit gives me agita. I have ADD. I can't have nine different conversations with nine different people and prioritize who I should hang out with. I just can't do that. That's just not who I am." He's like, "You know what? Sign back on. Put three." F- pictures up one of them is funny and put a funny bio up and just see what happens i was like all right so i put two pictures of me up one of tom Selleck, and then my bio went as such i'm not here for hookups i'm here to hook up household appliances washing machines dishwashers air conditioners you need my handiwork you let me know serious inquiries only I put that up at 10 a.m. at Norm's. At 1 p.m., I'm hanging pictures in a young lady's apartment in the Hollywood Hills. She asked me how I wanted to get paid via direct message. I said, a tuna melt and a Diet Coke. Those things were waiting for me when I arrived. I had a four-month career on Bumble as a handyman, and I, hang, I hung up the, the hammer because it got too intense. But I've given that biography to five other men, and I guess subsequently to all of you. All I ask is, if you hear this, and you know when you heard that, that it's potent, you don't share it with too many people. And don't make it a movie, because I'm writing the movie right now. That's all. That's solid. That is a solid fucking play. Okay. Do you know what mine says right now? Oh, here we go. Can you guess? I can't. So mine says I'm a red flag wholesaler. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I will show you on Bumble right now where it says that. I got to sign back into Bumble. It's been so long. It's been so long. What's super fucked up is I've gotten so many more matches since I've changed it to that. It's amazing the, 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 the slight changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Just a, just a, just a touch there. What's yeah. your, okay, uh, so we're drinking bourbon. Stop. Stop. Oh, my God. We're drinking bourbon right now. Um, 94 proof, Elijah Craig. Do you like scotch? I am a bourbon and rye guy. I actually actively dislike scotch. Yeah, I started with scotch because my grandma draw, drank uh, doers every day. Um, Blended? Ouch. I know. But this is, you know. I, I, I understand. You came from white trash. It's cool. <sighs> I'm not going to disagree. But, <laughs> I'm not, but, I, but I, I will say. I did too. It's cool. Um, but that's, that's wedding whiskey. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like it's like you know it's like a thing that like it's like a, it's the beer of whiskey. Anyway, on the rocks with a wedge of lemon and a splash of water. That's how my grandma and my grandfather drank it for for a long time. So I was introduced to Scotch as such. And when I became of age in New York, when you when you turn 21, you drink Long Island iced teas because it's the strongest and cheapest thing that you can drink, and it's a rite of passage. And then you arrive at one of the four liquors inside of the Long Island iced tea at some point, which is either vodka, gin, rum, or tequila. There's no whiskey in there. And if you arrive at that, that makes you different. But, and, and, and probably better. Um, but I started with vodka after that. I got into like just like vodka sodas, vodka tonics. And then I was like, wait a second. I'm old enough to drink what Grandma drank. And I loved her so much that I started drinking scotch. Um, her scotch, doers on the rocks with a wedge of lemon and a water and a splash of water. And I didn't realize that it was disgusting, even though it isn't to me because of her. And then I moved into New York City, and I got involved with the the blended, um, the the single malted scotches. You know, the do the uh, the Lafroigs, the Ardbegs, the 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 Obans. And then you know, learning about the lay of the land uh, or the highlands of Scotland, and and the, the history there is important. And if you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, which everyone thinks is an Irish holiday because it is, a Scottish priest or a saint uh, is the man that invented distilling in that part of the world, which is one of the reasons you celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So it's really a Scottish thing. It started with a Scotsman. Um, It's not Irish. There's a lot more history involved there. Um, you could Wikipedia it, but I'm right. You're wrong. You suck, and you're just capitalizing on a culture you have nothing. You have no idea about. Um, which is it's fine. I hate amateur hours, so yeah. So do I. Um, well, you're a bartender. You definitely uh, you have many more rights to hate that day. So, than I do, do you watch Game of Thrones? Did you watch Game of Thrones? I mean, yeah. Amelia Clark's tits are amazing. Beyond that, it's a cool show. It was yeah, a cool yeah, show. No, I watched the whole, the whole fucking thing. Um, so the Battle of Winterfell, where the White Walkers and uh, the Night King are, are rushing towards Winterfell in the like second to last episode or whatever it was, um, third to last episode, whatever. Um, I work at a, a gay bar in the center of Los Angeles during Pride. And I work there a lot. It's always busy. But at Gay Pride sitting there at 11 o'clock in the morning waiting for the parade to end, you felt, you feel like you're at Winterfell waiting for the war to start. 
like it's a it's a bright war with lots of colors and everyone's smiling, but there's just so many people. It's terrifying. A lot more erections. Right, right, right. It's not rigor mortis erections from the dead walkers. It's um, it's 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 valid erections from people uh, that are very happy to see you. I guess. and and happy to be gay, which they very well should be. Fuck yeah. This has been a discussion I've had on the show before. I am honestly amazed that the gay community gets anything done. Because of how much they drank? No, because you have two male sex drives involved in the situation. Yeah, but so that's like um, hook, line, and sinker. Like, let's get this done right away. Like, think about all of the quid pro quo that goes into dating. Yeah. I, I straight up heard... I would just be fucking all the time. Yeah, it would get... You know, get what are you saying? Fucking would get old? We get old. Speak for yourself, man. So how do you maintain all the stamina as a, a, a rhino? How do you do that? I don't know. It just happens. I don't know. But I'm saying if I had a partner who had my sex drive, this podcast would not be out weekly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could happen at some point. Me and my best friends. Have this running joke. I wish we were all gay. We talk about our dating woes. Man, I just wish we were all gay. We could just sit around and jerk each other off. That's not what gays do. Gays fall in love, have babies, have children now. It's, I understand that. What I'm saying is... But they still have two dudes with male sex drives. Right! Where do you find the time to actually get shit done? I don't know. I, I just feel all the fucking... 69ing. Stand-up 69ing in the shower. Seriously. Calling your friends over. Hey, guys, come over. Like... Like, let's just jerk each other off. Unless my dick got chafed, it'd be all the fucking. Oh man, you know what a thrumple is? A thrumple is a is is a male orgy, but it's also a relationship, an orgy that turns into a relationship where all of the parties involved decide they're going to be in a, in a committed relationship. That is the worst orgy ever. Yeah, like I heard, when, I heard it starts to smell after a while. Oh, well, I'm just saying. When I have my orgies, I don't want to see anyone who I've, I've never, never been in an orgy. Have you been in an orgy? Not really. I'm no. Don't not really means yes. I mean, no. I have not been in an orgy. I'm just saying, in my idealized, pictured brain, I don't want to see anyone I've came inside inside an orgy. Like, I, I just don't want to see you again. Like, maybe at the next orgy, but I don't. I won't be in a relationship. You with ever you. been invited to a sex party? Well, yes. Me too. We're in LA. Like, do you really live here if you haven't been invited to a sex party? Yeah. Like, not getting invited. If you live in LA, you either make a Super Bowl Doritos commercial with your friends, go to the movie in the park, or you get invited to a sex party. Yeah. Mm, that's pretty. Yeah. That all seems, that adds up. All pretty standard. It's sex parties, whatever. It's no big deal. No, it's no big deal. See, that's what the rest of America needs to understand. Sex is no big deal. No, it isn't a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal to welcome a new person sexually into your life. Not really. You don't think so? I've definitely had sex with people. I don't know their real names, or there's definitely some partners I vaguely remember. I uh, See, I look at... I, I understand where you're coming from, and I've had... Um, I mean, this is some of this is pre-porn. Sure, I get it. I get it. I'm a slut. What? And that's okay. I'm an emotional person. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -mm. No, I'm just. I am 
someone who values like I look at sex as magic. I look at it as a window into fucking another dimension. I look at it as a, a window into another dimension, and I, not just for me, but for the other person. I feel some like I, other people are my business. Strangers are my business. I I have met people and had one night stands. I'm not saying I haven't. What I'm saying is, it's not just sex for me. For me, it's and, and sometimes it is, but. I go into it hoping to, to capture infinity, to to put one in the books that's worth memory, mem- like memorizing or remembering. Gotta have more period sex. That'll be all memorable. Man, you know how to bring things full circle. You must have a podcast. I do. Shit. I got to get out of here soon, though. Yeah, we'll get you out of here sooner or later. Oh my god, I hate you. See, hour two, you hate me. It's an hourly thing. Two days from now, Matt's just going to be wake up and be like, I hate that dude. The cool thing about this podcast, of which there are many cool things, is that I don't, I'm not going to remember a lot of the things that I said, and I've already signed the waiver, so it's here. Rocket surgery, baby. Rocket surgery. <laughs> uh, it's great. This is great. I'm, if you're listening right now, uh, I'm having a really good time, and it... it I really didn't know what I was walking into, but this is just a cool dude to talk to who knows about cool shit who's lived a cool life. Mm, I mean, I've lived a life. I'm not sure it's the coolest. I'm not sure it's a cool life. It's just mine. It's cool to me. Well, I appreciate that. I am trying to live the best and interesting life I can, but when, was, when was the last time you shaved your, your beard? Like entirely. Like off, off, yeah. October. What did it look like? I look like a thumb. <laughs> it was a horrible mistake. I immediately like, why did I do this? What happened was like, for whatever reason, like my beard got patchy. Like there was all just a whole patch that just stopped growing. I'm like, maybe if I shave everything off, it'll grow back in even. And then I was clean shaven, and I'm like, oh, I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Before that, it had been five, six years before I went clean shaven. I did a porn scene where I shaved it down to a handlebar mustache. Uh, I dig it. And then after the scene, I shaved it all off. Got it. I played a redneck named Jesco for a sex in public scene. 2013, 2014? It was a very weird episode of Sex in Public. We actually had to cut the sex part because... The people who were having sex in it had sex on the American flag, and the site decided that they couldn't air that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're in the desert in Arizona, like, just in the middle of nowhere. Fucking. Well, the other people were fucking. I was just holding the camera. But, yeah. They didn't bring a blanket, so they fucked on top of an American flag. And the site that hosted it was like, we can't put this up. So, it's a whole scene of a little bit of nudity and no actual sex. Who's the hottest chick you've seen? Who's the, who's the hottest porn star you know in your mind? Ooh, that's a rough question to answer because I'm going to piss some people off with that. Well, you're asking me weird questions. No, they're not weird. You're asking me questions that might piss people off. Fair enough. Ah. Uh, Who's the hottest porn star I know? Can I give that a little thought? 
And let me throw this into there. Like, I'm not just talking like aesthetically. I'm talking like that has a brain in their head that's fun to talk to, etc. Natasha Nice. I don't know who that is. And your phone's not readily available yeah, to yeah, Google it. Yeah. Uh, Natasha's been on the show a couple times. Natasha's a, a very interesting woman. Uh, she was going to school for computer science on top of doing her porn thing. Oh, wow. Okay. She's an amazingly intelligent woman. Fun people. I'm going to hang out with you. That's a done deal. Like, I'm going to ruin all my interpersonal relationships to see where this weirdness goes. Uh, I'm a feather floating around trying to land in a dirty puddle. Well, welcome to the dirty puddle. See, that's another t-shirt. Welcome to the dirty puddle. Dude, that is the new name of the show. Welcome to the dirty puddle. I might get more listeners with that. Let the bodies hit the floor. Rest in peace, dude. Yeah, seriously. You know the lead singer Drowning Pool who did that song died, right? Yeah, I know that. On the tour bus. I mean, if I was a metal dude, I think that's how I want to go out. On the tour bus. Yeah, me too. How do you want to die? I have an answer. Uh, well, okay. If I was, if I could not control it, I don't know. But if I could, I'd want a bottle of Dewar's Scotch. I'd like to go to the ocean, but on both coasts, drink that bottle with my closest confidants in the ocean. One on the Pacific and one on the Atlantic. I'd like to have my son in close proximity to me both times. I'd like someone to just walk into the ocean and hand me a buffalo wing every so often. How are they going to import U.S.X. wings to the East Coast? No, the East Coast makes their own fucking great wings. They ain't rustics. Yeah, well, they're different, and they're and in, in most cases better. The rustic, the rustic, the yay rustic inn is the best version of what I grew up eating in Los Angeles. I'm not taking anything away from their 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 wing prowess, um, but it's what I grew up loving here. But there's a place called Cooper Smith's in New York that is it's not there anymore actually. It, but the guy who makes has been making the wings is still there. And it's in um, Bayshore, New York, and it's called uh, Kirby Puckett's something. I forget right now. That's how, that's how long it's been since I've gone home. I'm going home in two weeks, and I'm going to have wings. Got to put those on the Instagram story so we can see the fucking wings. You guys got to see these wings. I can't wait to go home. It's going to be great. I'm going to jerk off everywhere. Solid. Solid. Solid as a rock. For me, I, I often debate on how I want to go out. Part of me wants to just go out in a random act of violence, so it's just over quick. Like someone hurts you and then you die? Oh, just not even hurts me. Just fucking shoots me in the head. It's over. It's done. Uh, yeah, it needs to be quick. Yeah, because there's something terrifying about lying in a hospital bed, wait, sitting there wasting away. I've actually been there. I died. I was dying in a hospital bed for three months once. Oh, yeah. You talked about that during your show. Yeah, man. I've, I've come close to death twice, three times in my life. Um... Four times counting tonight with the alcohol poisoning. Dude, I've been doing this a long time. It's not going to happen tonight. Uh, I might have to switch this whiskey out for a Newcastle, though, because I, I, I want a Newcastle. Uh, you're welcome to a Newcastle. Hey, it's a little hard for me to stand right now. Could you please get me a Newcastle? You're going to make me go around fucking three cameras? Get you a Newcastle? I'll get a Newcastle. See? Guys, um, is it okay? <laughs> We're having a camera. <laughs> 
having a good time. So we're we're introducing Maddie to how the show really goes. Hour two is when the really weird questions come. And Maddie's on his sixth alcohol of the evening. Oh, he brought me Smarties because he expects me to put out like I'm a freshman in high school. Just putting out for chalky fucking candies. I mean, I called top, so it's okay. I call top. What is it? Moby Big? Oh, Tom Hanks came in his pants in that movie. I don't remember that moment. When a, a girl like goes back to his fucking loft with him, she touches him and he shudders and shies away from her. He came in his pants. I guess he did. I saw, I met him once. Tom Hanks? And I met Jim Carrey once. Did Jim come in his pants? Um, no, but he was the funny he was a funny motherfucker. He was exactly what you would think. I got into an argument with my girlfriend at the time. It was a minor argument. Like we were just kind of like just having an ancillary discussion. And I was like, I'm gonna take a walk. She's like, all right. And I take a walk down the block. And I walk past this restaurant, at which point it was like this big new restaurant in LA called Republic. And my friend was the bar manager there. And as I walk past, he's smoking a cigarette out front. And he's like, You should come in, man. I'm like, No, nah, I'm just, I'm not dressed right. He's like, No, we have an event. There's like some art gallery that just opened up, and every celebrity is inside right now. Jim Carrey's in there. And I was like, Oh, shit. And I've been following Jim Carrey around for years. Like whenever he filmed a movie in New York, I would like show up, try to at least show up on set and like meet him, just to, like hug him or like shake his hand. I'm, I don't do this kind of stuff, but I always did with him. When he was filming Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind, I went to Montauk where they filmed like the the beach snow scenes, etc., uh, and looked for him. And I, I missed him, you know. So I show up to this place and I get a couple of drinks from my friend. I get a little drunk. He's like, Jim's in the back somewhere, and this place is cavernous, and there's lots of little random rooms. And there he was, standing, tall, slender, handsome, at a banquet table with like nine hot women around him. But there was a space right next to him at this table that was open. And I said to myself, well, now's your moment. I walk up, and I sit right next to him, closer than I'm sitting to you right now. And I say, hey, my name's Matt McManus. I think it kind of goes without saying that I'm a big fan, but I've been looking for you for a long time. I said, when you were filming A movie, I was looking for you. B movie, I was looking for you. I'm from New York, so I grew up close to where you were filming, and I was looking for you. And I went down this litany of examples, and he looks at me right in the face, and he says, well, here I am. I got to know. Could you smell Jenny McCarthy on his fingers? Oh, my God. No. Uh, well, I uh, that's depressing. <laughs> it would have been depressing if it were Jenny McCarthy like 17 years ago. She's a, And I'm not, I'm not trying to judge her age. I'm just saying she, that was the one that I fell in love with on the TV screen. During Singled Out? <sighs> Isn't it crazy? And the co-host of that show... Was the guy who created Chris Hardwick. Was he created Nerdist? Yeah, and apparently is a sexual abuser. Yeah, weirdo. According to his ex girlfriend. Like, and, and the funny thing is, like, 
that's how fast things can change because nerdist right was like a big voice in the world it's like non-existent anymore well because they sold it to a corporation and then chris started doing the same podcast as id10t instead of nerdist because mm. he sold ner- the rights to nerdist to someone else right yeah that's an interesting thing yeah um, he's, he's gonna just kind of evaporate into obscurity it seems i guess um but anyway, that was my interaction with Jim Carrey. It, w- it went on for a little bit longer than that. I just finished filming a TV show. Called- I don't know. Do you think Jenny McCarthy is hot enough to commit you to do anti-vax? Is she an anti-vaxxer? Oh, she is the forefront of anti-vaxxing. Nah, I'm sorry. Listen, attach yourself to something. Just because a couple of kids got messed up, it doesn't mean that's the problem. Well, I guess one of her kids had autism, and that's she is the biggest proponent of anti-vaxxing. Um, I have a bunch of different friends that have children on the spectrum. Um, I know a bunch of adults that are on the spectrum. I mean, besides me? You're not on the spectrum. I'm not? Uh, no, you're not. Unfortunately, you're not. I just can tell. Um, <laughs> there's no rhyme or reason. I'm sure that you've done some scientific research beyond it, but vaccinate your children. Just to, don't be an idiot. I mean, at the end of the day, what's super fucked up is you would rather have a child dead than not on the spectrum i'm sorry i'm sorry your child has autism but guess what that child's not suffering from autism that child just is you're telling that child to suffer is the is the reason it's suffering that kid's not dead no i I said that in my show in the last line of my show um and this is i'm glad we're talking about this to be honest with you so in the pilot episode of this last season of the bachelor every girl comes on the show with their introduction and everyone has something back in their hometown that they feel bad about, that they want to let America know about, okay? And, like, one or two of the girls came on, and they were like, I'm on this show because my brother's suffering from autism. First of all, your brother's quote-unquote suffering isn't your hook into America's heart, okay? Your brother's not suffering. You're telling him to suffer, and in in, in turn— you're hoping that America suffers for you so that you can win the heart of this bachelor. Now, that's the problem with the whole system right now. These children aren't suffering. They're growing up in a, in a house where you're telling them to suffer. If their peers don't accept them, fuck their peers. That's their problem. You got a special kid? Tell that kid to find its superpower. Don't, let your, don't use your kid as the... Batman symbol or the anchor in the water for change because something may be different with your child, but there's nothing wrong with them unless they have a terminal illness that needs to be addressed. Now that needs to be addressed. Fuck you. I agree. Haven't you people ever seen Cube? The autistic guy's the hero of that fucking Seriously. movie. Seriously. Like, let your kid feel normal by telling him it's just a kid. Ugh. Ugh. See, I I don't envy your position because I could not imagine being a father. Right. Right. Dead serious. Like, I could not imagine trying to instill values on a young person. Because what fucking values do you instill in someone in this day and age? It's a great question, but the reality is everything that I'm doing right now is is directly attached to empathy. Once you, it's like once, uh, once you ever skateboard, 
Nope. Okay, okay. Never uh, that coordinated. All right. What's the do, do you know how to computer program? Um That's a weird leap. Okay. Um once you learn empathy, everything else is easy. Because you understand the concept that there are other people with feelings around you. Once you understand that, it doesn't matter what the context is, you can communicate with someone. So, in good question or fear that you have about instilling things, right? But once you introduce the concept of empathy to someone and you make sure that it's attached to that person's soul, you're good. Now, listen, you got you to gotta do things like look both ways. You got to do things like wipe your ass the right way. You got to, you know. Brought to you by Dude Wipes. But can we get Dude Wipes in this motherfucker? But, but there's things like, you know, I was I grew up Midwestern. Mm-hmm. I was instilled like, yo, finish all the food on your plate. Finish all the food on your plate. Fucking a hard day's work. Mm-hmm. You know, you work hard, you'll be rewarded. No, in the really real world, it's not necessarily the person who works the hardest. Often, the most attractive person is just rewarded shit. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to tell your kid like, hey, don't ever leave the house looking the best unless you're looking the best you possibly can? No, I, I will say but this that, though. Understand. I will say this though. Like in the same arena, I will say find your own personal style so you feel com- comfortable out in the world. Does well, that make sense? It does. But you have. We live in LA. You have to acknowledge. Pretty people are just handed shit until they leave. Like for example. Um, there are two tracks: people who move here and they meet the wrong people and they party with Leonardo DiCaprio, or or or, or whoever it is in a nightclub, and they think that they're that much closer to fame because they're drinking a bottle next to that person. Then they develop a cocaine problem and have to get into rehab and and, and move back to Michigan. Um, or they meet good people and surround themselves with empathy and give empathy and give back and realize that their art, their purpose is is connected to... Um, but I feel like if you give too much empathy, people will fucking take advantage of you. And that's happened to me. I've had complete ideas stolen from me. Like, you know, TV shows that I've helped create, I'm not even attached to. I mean, the way you signed, I'm stealing every good idea you gave on the show. Every last one of them. I've already signed away. I know. You signed it away. But the agreement is you're going to take me to the strip club downtown and we're good. I, that's such a great deal on my part. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, and, I'm in, and I have no problem with it. Oh, I love when the victims are willing. I love when the, the win, I love when the kill is better than the hunt. You say that now. It's like I'm rolling around in that t-shirt, money. Oh my god, we got to make these t-shirts. You have to make these t-shirts. They're your t-shirts. But either way, like <laughs> And that's Hollywood. It is. It is Hollywood. But either way, like honestly, like if someone had told me at a young age like, "Hey, looking as attractive as you can as often as you can will just benefit you." I have literally watched friends of mine who, you know, made sure that they're always fucking Hair and makeup ready, essentially. Just get shit handed to them. Are we talking... What sex are we talking right now? Male, female, whatever. Um, there's something for keeping your appearance... There's something to be said for taking care of yourself. If you care for yourself... And I'm not saying 
putting a bunch of makeup on. Like I told my little sister here who was traveling from Florida who had her lips done. And, th- and I said I said to her, I'm like, what are you doing? You look like a Kardashian. What are you doing? You, like, you look like white trash. And for me, getting your lips done is attached to like white trash. I could be wrong, but that's my thought. And there were like, just because you're spending money on your appearance doesn't mean what you're doing is classy or worthy. Classy is all subjective. Not really. Things are either classy or they're not. Hey, low is the class. Correct. Man, you're smart. Okay, you're right. I'm wrong. Shut up. <laughs> well, I guess the podcast is over because I have been told to shut up. <laughs> but seriously, people just do shit for attractive people. Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that entirely. But at some point, the attractiveness wears off. Like, um, okay, here's an example. Did you watch Sex in the City? There was like Samantha's uh, hot young actor boyfriend, right? He's like a hot dude. He was like the hot guy in America for a while. I'm sure he got a lot of attention, both professionally and sexually. Um, I don't know where that guy is now. It wears off after a while. It does. But it doesn't mean that he's not getting comp drinks somewhere. Just because he's not professionally making fucking money for being pretty doesn't mean that he's not getting little perks like, Oh, right this way, sir. Here's your comp drink, sir. Um, I'll tell you what. 20-year-old Mr. pussy just throwing itself at him, sir. I bet you Mr. Belding in his heyday got some hand jobs. Oh, Dennis Haskins is getting hand jobs today. Gary, you, you, he's, he, I, don't, I doubt it. I see him at comedy clubs pretty regularly. He comes out. He's sober. He doesn't drink. But he does introduce himself by his full fucking name. It's but, really weird. What's his full name? Dennis Haskins. I'm Dennis Haskins? Yeah. Like, I met him. He's like, hi, I'm Dennis Haskins. I'm like, I know who you are, dude. Like, you're Mr. Belding. He definitely He's got to be like 64, 65. He's still fucking around with some young girls. I love that. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't be angry at that career. Like, bunch of Saved by the Bell no! set offs. No! Are you kidding me? Listen, um... I mean, young he, pu- he was my dad for a short period of time. Young pussy is the key to immortality. Uh, that's not what I'm getting at. I just said it, not you. But Hugh Hefner said, you're only as old as the person you're having sex with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hef, the weird shit Hef had to be into to get an erection by the end. His son came to the Abbey when I was working uh, a couple of weeks ago with a whole bunch of playmates. Uh, he looks just like him. Uh, what a life. I'm sure it seems commonplace, but it's it's, it's it's an incredible existence, I'm sure. I'm just saying, I, in my own life, have been jaded to fucking sexual acts. If I was at Hef's level, how jaded would you be? You have to hold on the port, because I have to piss. Got it. All right, so he's peeing for the first time. Ever. Ever. He's been holding it in for 38 years. We're the same age. We're best friends. Since I've urinated and looked at the clock, it's probably about that time to call last call. I'm in. Uh, I got my beer and a whiskey. Well, I'm not sure I should let you go before you kill those motherfuckers. I'm not going to finish the whiskey. I'm going to have to split that with you. But I will finish my beer. Fair enough. Can I pour my whiskey into your, dra- into your glass? Especially because I'm empty? Sure. <laughs> you poured the whole fucking thing in for the audio audience. I'll split it with you. All the whiskey's yours. Put a drop more back in mine. I made a mistake. He's getting peer pressured and he's drinking a little bit. Stop. Stop. In the name, name of love. 
before I jerk you off to get over. I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I shaved my dick right before the porn party on Saturday. So I told the girl recently that I like manscaped, and she was like, don't tell me that. What's the problem? Someone feels it's unmanly to like, you know, like, I don't want to be with a little boy. I want you to be hairy. I get that. And you're a hairy Jew boy. Oh, yeah. I mean, my chest is hairy. <laughs> you're a hairy Jew boy. Those are words that just came out of my mouth. You do work at the Abbey. It makes sense. Oh, God. That's a whole other thing. I, sorry. Have oh, you enjoy- man. I can't wait to hang out with you. In the room. Have you enjoyed torpedoing your career for the last two hours? I thought at moments, I was like, man, should I, should I really still be talking right now? But you know what? I, I, I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. If anything, I'm just trying to tell the truth. Well, and that's what I'm trying to do here. Like, fuck it. If people can't accept the truth. Fuck them. This is a cool podcast. I've, I've done a bunch. This is cool. Well, thank you. Uh, a little curtsy. And we're going to hang out again. We're going yeah. to do this. Do you bring this whole setup to the strip club? Uh, I bring different mics, but most of it, yeah. No uh, no video aspect of the strip club. Yeah, Obviously. Yeah. For the most part, we bring we bring the thunder. This girl that I, I know works at that place, and it'd be great to support. This girl that I know works at that place, and it'd be great to surprise her there. So, yeah. Cheers. What time is it, by the way, anyway? Uh, 12.37 p.m. Jesus Christ, it's that late, huh? This has been wonderful. So, Matt, where can the audience find you on the Do you have to listen to this whole thing and figure out where the magic is? I do. Man, are you good at that? I hope so at this point. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh, I'm just trusting you with this bullshit. Fuck. <laughs> Go ahead. What were you saying? Matt, where can the audience find you on the internet? Where can they find you on social media? Um, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, it's at Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y-P, as in Peter McManus. Maddie P. McManus. Oh, sidebar. There's another Maddie McManus who is a apparently a, a wrestler. No, a very attractive homosexual model. Oh, I didn't know that. Because right before your show, the girl I brought to your show Googled it and was like, oh, he's a really cute gay boy. Oh, no, that's not me. But I like gay boys. Well, it was just funny because she's like, when you doing the show, you're talking about your son. She's like, I don't not, think that's the right guy. No, that's yeah, not me. Um, I'm also a RuPaul's Drag Race winner. My name is Fuchsia Lazan. Um, you can go to itsmattmcmanus.com. And you can get all of my merch, and you can get all of my videos, and uh, all the contact information to my representation. I'm going to be on three different television shows in the next year, and I'm going to be taking my one-man show around America as the year changes. So, I appreciate you listening to me tonight. I very much appreciate hanging on and talking to M-S-L-A-Y-E-R, and here we go. Well... Check out my shirts that will be sold on Matt's site as he makes all the money from them. In the meantime, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the podcast at and now we drink on Twitter and now we drink underscore on Instagram. Until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Mm.